0: All right, so Arby's, they have this coupon for a $12 family meal, right? Okay. And with this coupon, you get two beef and cheddars, four sliders, and four things of fries. But on the bottom of the coupon, a really small print, it says this coupon can be used up to three times in one purchase. Okay. So I proceeded to get six beef and cheddars, Ah! 12 sliders, and 12 things of fries. For, like, your family. uh, Sure.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God.
0: But, yeah, dude, I made a fucking mistake. Uh, Yes. (laughs) My stomach is... So,
2: first, let's talk about how you just bought
0: $36 worth of Arby's. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Didn't I just see you say... It's actually 40
0: bucks with... Didn't
2: you just have a conversation with Pam where you bought them fucking raccoon ankle nuggets <laughs> from Burger King because you had three dollars? Oh, okay. Okay. I got paid today. <laughs>
3: and this is also why he won't make it to the next payday. <laughs> By the like yeah. <laughs> five days before the payday, he's gonna be scrimping and say what I kept thinking, and this is what made me like almost be sick, is how awful your car must smell, smell oh by the God. time you get
0: that fucking <laughs> food home. Dude, it smells incredible. No, you're lying. You're it lying. smells incredible. Believe Arby's that. is an institution, brother. Uh, Arby's is an American classic, and I refuse to let you slander the name of Arby's. I like Arby's,
3: but I'm telling you, that much meat and a moist paper sack in your dirty ass car—I don't mm-hmm. <laughs> like. I don't know, man. I can't. What kind I of,
2: listen, could I've you mix more, and match those sliders? Like, did you get a variety? Yeah.
0: Okay. Fuck yeah. I got some jalapeno roast beef. I got some buffalo chicken. I got some turkey. Did you go for a chicken? Regular Did you chicken. go for the
2: chicken slider? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah it's good. Hell yeah. Um, I Hell I
3: also, yeah. in my head, it really makes me laugh. The, the thought of Harlan uh, pulling out her lunch at school and it's just Arby's for every day 100%. for a week. One,
0: yes. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I'm just, other kids are get like It's just a peanut different butter slider jelly. every day. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> you like know, like
3: kids have got like little notes from their mom and their apple and their handmade sandwich and she's just like at this sloppy fucking four day old rb slider coming out of her lunchbox our little i gotta get rid
0: of this shit somehow <laughs> Jesus. i'm gonna man the bad thing is when we pulled up I read the thing to Vickers like, "We can do this shit three times," and she was like, "No, don't, <laughs> don't do it." Right. And we got to the drive-through. I was like, "I would like three family deals." So I got this coupon for twelve dollars.
2: <laughs> Vic is so she tried to steer
3: the ship. Yeah, she she constantly <laughs> the, the voice of reason that goes
2: absolutely ignored. Yeah. Well, I yeah. mean arby's is delicious so at least you have food for like the foreseeable future oh, Jesus.
0: dude i don't have to worry about work lunches you know what fuck groceries i think this should be <laughs> a form of grocery shopping <laughs> no. that we institute in this household no, this is not- Just get all the coupons and just go to various fast food restaurants and get their like mega dealers right oh another deal i got today i got a notification through the mcdonald's app free big mac with a dollar purchase so I got me a small fry and a big Mac. Could
3: you do an adult Mac or an adult happy meal yet?
0: No. No. Pam. I did. can't afford it, Austin. I've been I've had three dollars in my bank account since like last Monday. You bought thirty six
2: dollars <laughs> worth of Arby's today. Well you got paid.
0: Yeah, I didn't get paid till five.
3: I like that you have it down to the time. You know exactly like the hour. Yeah, dude, 5 or 7, direct deposit hits. Let's go, baby. Brother. My direct
2: deposit hits at
0: like 2 a.m. or something. Yeah, mine's like super in the early in the morning. So I just wake up and it's there. Well, I had to go get a new key from a mailbox today. What happened to the old key? When I walked into office, uh, the uh, property manager was like, so uh, you got your rent with you by any chance? So it's like, no, direct deposit hits at 5 o'clock, though. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! (laughs) You just can't make it up. Can't make it up. They love me. They love me up there. Uh, You know what? That is the
3: only reason you have made it as long as you have on Earth. I'm a people person. Is it people (laughs) who (laughs) like you? If they didn't like you, I don't know. You wouldn't have. You wouldn't be able to get like away with half of the shenanigans that you pull it's true yeah, you're right it's just like you're right you know you're right like, look
0: at this dummy speaking of shenanigans dummy. what have it's been what three weeks since we recorded? don't let
3: on secrets i've been slacking
0: uh, uh i mean it's been <laughs> it's been like a week right <laughs> what have you guys been up to we haven't really caught up what's what's going on in your lives um
3: well let's see stacy you can be included in oh show. yeah
0: Stacey's definitely part of it
3: um I went and saw people under the stairs. Oh in the theater yesterday.
0: Didn't hold Was up. Is that what y'all call the poor people in New York? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's where the help lives under the stairs. Like, like the <laughs> hell, <laughs> like Harry Potter. It's like get back in your hole.
0: No, <laughs> Tommy is a free elf. <laughs> uh,
3: no, you know what? I gotta say, not as good as I remembered it to be. <laughs> I was a little, I was a little bummed out. I hadn't had that experience in a while. I was like, ah, oh, it's a Wes Craven movie. That'll be great. I remember loving it when I first saw it when it first came out, and I was just I mean, like, can we? It's... It's not a bad movie. No, it's not bad. It just wasn't. I don't know. Maybe my expectations were too high. Um, I think that's
2: one of those movies that you easily get rose-colored glasses for. I hundred percent. That's exactly because it came out in that time period where there wasn't a lot of other good horror shit coming out. Like it was either like the bad direct-to-video stuff by that point, which I have a love for that stuff too. Right. But like that was like a higher quality. That was like a theater horror movie at the time like that yeah, was a big but it i think it just was like it deals with a lot
3: you know like it's dealing with like gentrification and this like evil shitty let, racist landlord and then it's also dealing with like gold coins and all the people that were literally under the stair i don't know I just felt like it was i was like oh, it's got it's wrestling with a lot and it's kind of getting everything but not quite
2: it's it's like it's his Romero movie, yeah. Where oh, yeah. it's the only time that Craven has a bunch of social commentary. Well, Shocker, I guess maybe had a little bit scream, commentary too. scream. Well, yeah, yeah. He that I think he he got in on that about this so time. And- think about the timeline for those though. Those are all the ones that come like late in the game yeah. for him. Yeah, yeah.
3: But it was good. And then tomorrow I'm going to go uh my neighbor upstairs and friend mary who dalton charlie not the people under the stairs the neighbor upstairs This is the neighbor upstairs uh she texted me yesterday and she's like i have an extra ticket to go see the violent films i've never seen them i love this band and i was like hell yeah i love this band i've seen them i saw them like 20 years ago so i'm very excited to go see check them out tomorrow
2: dude they will be they will be every bit as good as they were 20 years ago when you saw them i'm really excited they're incredible
3: they are incredible and they are incredible live. So she was very excited. This is like a big bucket list thing for her. And so I'm like, yep, I'm going to go. And of course I was like, Hey, Christopher, you want to go too? And he's like, I don't know who the fuck that is. That, that was the answer <laughs> I was expecting.
0: <laughs> you should have told him you're going to like a Britney Spears concert. Oh. And like you want to go? And then like not tell him till we all get there. He's
3: like, this place doesn't <laughs> look big enough for Gaga to perform. He's like, Just no, get, get in.
0: <laughs> yeah. They put on your poker face, poker face, poker, <laughs> poker, face <laughs> yeah you gonna put on you your poker dude it's been a while i haven't listened to gaga in a long time
5: <laughs> so horror movies uh-huh. oh wait now that's a different podcast <laughs> so
0: today we're talking about the new Hellraiser. <laughs> oh yeah that's what we we're supposed to talk about uh, yeah I,
5: did you did, did you watch it dalton did you did you no. you didn't do your homework
0: <laughs> you had oh, one I job I, watch it. I watched the new hocus pocus yesterday oh. Oh. <laughs> Oh <laughs> Man, that the original it, gets a
3: lot more love than I ever understood. I don't, yeah, I mean,
0: Victoria uh, has like a whole forearm tattoo dedicated to Hocus Pocus. Yeah, I'm a,
3: then I'll maybe just give yeah. my comments to myself. I need to
0: <laughs> it's good, man. For what it
3: is <laughs> for, a,
0: for a Disney movie, it's, it's oh, it's good. It's
3: Mick Garris, he's oh, he's fine, <laughs> you know,
0: like he's it's so whimsical, Disney movie, and like if you go in expecting that, then it's fine. So, did you enjoy?
3: The remake of Focus Focus.
0: It's not a remake, it's a or sequel. a sequel.
3: Sorry, yeah, because it's yeah, a it's good, it's all right. I don't know where they dug Kathy Najimy up. She hadn't been in anything in a long time. I was like, yeah. where did you find
0: her? <laughs> oh, the thing I really want to talk they about. They didn't this time. <laughs> <or> just, <laughs>
1: <laughs> she's just old as fuck. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Speaking of bands you haven't seen in twenty years, I went to Furnace Fest uh, a couple weeks weekends ago dude i had a fucking blast i had such a good time and it's the best because i didn't give a shit about any of the headliners so like i could peace out around eight o'clock and get back to my hotel at nine like mm, snuggies a bug in a rug <laughs> it was great dude uh there's a lot of bands that like i found out i really liked that i kind of missed the on because furnace fest is like a nostalgia fest right they get all these bands that like quit doing shit twenty years ago, and they get them back for like reunions, like E Town Concrete, uh, fucking Stretch Armstrong, shit like that. Stacy probably is the only one that knows what I'm talking about. Yep, I have no idea. So I missed the boat with E Town Concrete, right? Because like it was just before my time, and I knew about like fucking, I don't know, like Mandibles and Baptist, like shit like that. I'm fucking obsessed with E Town Concrete now, and I hate it because like they're done. This is 90s hardcore. So, not the most, not some, not language you would use in today's society. So, but that dude is,
2: specifically you, uses language that he probably shouldn't use with his complexion.
4: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. The same dude went on to make, uh, you remember the AI rapper that was like yeah, viral for I a little while? Yeah. I just that the other day. Same dude the same dude went on to make that and etown concrete fucking rules and
2: strangely <laughs> that ai robot had the same problem saying some words they shouldn't be saying uh etown sucks i don't know man e-town like
0: fucking I, it's like hardcore <laughs> that biscuit man
2: it's, it's it is rules. the rule dude and i'll tell you as as an old who was there Dude, we all just clowned on E-Town Concrete. They were fucking Lip fuck. Biscuit. They were Lip You're Biscuit, and we all thought rude. they sucked.
0: Yeah, he loves Lip, Lip Biscuit, too. Biscuit. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah, dude. I love oh, New Metal. Dude. It's the best. Like,
2: everybody in hardcore hate not So that's the thing, though. I say everybody in hardcore hated E-Town, but there were a bunch of dudes who liked E-Town Concrete, and I don't know if it was like a... Like, oh, we like E-Town Concrete thing. (laughs) Or or if it was like, they genuinely, it was like, man, I really wish I could like Limp Biscuit, but my dudes will make the fuck fun of me if they see me listening to Limp (laughs) Biscuit. Oh, this dude used to be in other hardcore bands, and he sounds like Limp Biscuit. Well, I I could listen to that. I could have an E-Town basketball jersey, and my dudes
0: won't make fun of me for it. Uh, Let me tell you, brother, the crowd for E-Town was not ironic. (laughs) Let me tell you. And the one person I did see in the crowd is Colin Young from God's Hate, was in the pit. And I texted a friend of the show, Ed Battis. I was like, Colin Young is standing like five feet from me. He's like, dude, fucking punish him. Go talk to him. I'm like, I'm not fucking doing that. (laughs) It's fucking weird, bro. Of course, Battis (laughs) told
2: you to go punish the famous dude. (laughs)
0: of course <laughs> yeah 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 like i'm not fucking doing that but dude it was a good time it was a good time he didn't say anything that would like be bad in 2022 so, so well because
2: worry. he can't he knew where he was you know what i mean i think at this yeah. point yeah, somebody for sure. after <laughs> after the ai fucking lawsuit bullshit where it's like oh you had million dollars oh you no longer have million dollars uh i think you learn Quick, the, the like, dude from Jesus Piece would hear it and be like, "What, <laughs> dude?" So here's the thing: like, you were at Furnace Fest, though, so you're like, "Oh my god, the dude from God's Hate was right beside me, dude." The dude from like 18 bands were right beside you, like yeah. those those yeah. festivals. Yeah, yeah, sure. Everybody just like goes and watches other bands, and like you don't have to pull the like, "Oh, I'll stand on the side of the stage and watch these dudes" because it's hardcore festival, right? So yeah, like, nobody's
0: gonna fuck with you. Yeah, it's but yeah, I mean, I'm at fucking. Uh, God damn it. What was the name? Matt, Matt. Dude from Kubicon. I saw him just walking around. I got go, oh dude, I fucking loved you Said That's another band I discovered. It's Kubicon. Kubicon fucking rules, dude. Yeah. It's just like a knuckle dragon, fucking like ass beating music. It's great. It's fucking <laughs> awesome. It's yeah. just dumb, stupid hardcore. It's great. It's the best. It's fucking awesome.
2: I'm going it's the to best. uh <clears throat> I'm going to the holiday jam in Reading PA in December. Uh it's like the same thing. It's like end it and uh, oh fuck yeah, death before dishonor. Uh, a bunch of fucking bands. Uh, there's like old bands on it too, like Agnostic Front and uh, yeah, yeah, Life of yeah, Agony. Yeah. I think is headlining it. Uh, shattered realm is playing on it, so like it's that same kind of vibe. Where it's like not as big as furnace fest, obviously, but it's like an east Coast yeah. wisdom and chains. I think, I think the dudes from wisdom and chains have something to do with like putting that show on because that's like their part of the country's like reading for sure, town. So that sounds awesome, though. Yeah.
3: Dalton's gonna want to have you on every episode, Stacy, because when he talks to yeah. Charlie and I about music, we just glaze over. We don't know what he's talking I about. Tried
0: to, I tried to tell my furnace fest story on Austin's other podcast, and then it's Austin, but that fucking cocksucker Dwayne just kept talking over my fucking story. Oh, no. So- He's like, oh, man, was this call going to end? Like, what the fuck? Because he didn't screen any of
3: them before. And he's like, Dalton left a five minute voicemail. We <laughs> <laughs> are definitely not reading this on the air.
0: <laughs> well, but one of the, I'll get off this topic real quick. But my favorite band, like forever, when I was young, was the Chariot. Another band that Stacy would clown me for liking. And ah, like man, I like the Chariot liked- so much. Chariot's fine. Nothing wrong with the Chariot. Yeah. Liked them so much. One of my first tattoos ever. Chariot logo on my arm. Favorite band of all time. So Josh Scoggin from The Chariot is a new band called 68, right? And I went to that set. I was like, fuck yeah, I get to listen to this, blah, blah, blah. And he was in the middle of one song, and there's a break, and then there's like a sing-songy part in the song, right? So they go into their break, and like I'm expecting like the sing-songy part. And they break into the city by The Chariot. Oh. and i lost my goddamn mind dude it was great because like at first i was like wait this isn't 68 holy shit this is the chariot oh my god this is the city and i fucking like booked it to the stage and it was incredible like i had a the closest to religious moment that i think i've ever had in my life the rules. it was awesome it was awesome awesome and then i went and got their cassette that i'll never open and never listen to
2: well right because why would you yeah, it's a cassette. Yeah, <laughs> it's 2022. For looks.
0: <clears throat> Cassettes aren't for
2: listening to anymore. No, they're just for looking no, up. they're for just for looking pretty. Yeah, they're just to take up space in gonna, your
0: house. I was gonna ask Charlie about his weekend, but he left, he walked away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All this, all this talk of
2: bands, he doesn't know. He was just like, uh, yeah. Wait till wow. we start talking about church.
0: He really, he's a goner. Oh, there he is. He's uh-huh. back. Yeah. I just had Charlie a weekend, buddy. How's he going? Oh, hey. you had to go get your blunt pen. Pan. So I can keep, oh, so I can keep okay, track okay, okay. of when I need to edit stuff.
3: Yeah, there's a cool thing on here. I am definitely got to, We got to switch roles next time. It's got mark clip, a button on the interface, which is, that might make it easier for you.
0: The only button Charlie wants me to hit is the one that says leave. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. What are we doing? Charlie, how was your week? It was good. Or how was your week? How was, how was your multiple weeks? How was your, uh, mat, your handful of weeks?
5: My medicine's working really great, so it's just been uh just flying by, man. Work's been good. Things have been good outside of work. Wrestling was fun. Uh went to that October first. It's been a good time. It's been good. uh
0: Hell
5: yeah. Toy Hios this weekend. I'm excited. That's why Toy this Hi-os will not be edited this weekend. This weekend. <laughs>
0: no, you uh, just are edit to meet anybody at Toy fine. High. What's that? Yeah, yeah, you edit this five hour long podcast tomorrow. No. <laughs> <laughs> Dude it's fucking hot in here. Hold on.
2: Toyhio 14, the Toyhio with too many guests. Are you going too, Stacy? Yeah, I'm, I help out every year. I was just saying, you usually are at a table. I say every year. There's three of them a year. Yeah. I help out my, my friend Tom's uh, widow Bree. Right, right. Right. I remember you telling me. And then Pam runs the line for Ego. Very cool.
5: Let's, who is all Who else going this year? So we got, you mean guest wise? Yeah. Uh, We got Preston Vance and Evil Uno from the Dark Order, Ethan Page, Dan Danhausen, Johnny Gargano, and Candice LeRae.
2: That is a lot. (laughs) Uh, and The Godfather, and Gangrel, and Gangrel, and 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 Kid Cash, and Kid Cash. Yeah, too many. Those three, I
5: think, will be in a separate. separate area for autos they won't be with the
2: the other yeah well my understanding with all of those is that like <clears throat> so that's a thing that started where like that other guy brings people in and they're over at like different booths different vendors booths throughout the place and i think that was just people realized what the draw rick was getting with the guests he was bringing in and we're like oh well, i'll have myself some of that but they're not bringing in the same like gangrel and Charles are both cool guests, right? Like, Godfather's a cool guest, but he's not going to bring, like, Rick has Johnny Gargano. That's like a. Right. But they're all there. If you pay five bucks to get in, you can meet any of those people and pay whatever. It's crazy that it's that cheap to get in. That is amazing to me. If you want to get in an hour early, it's ten bucks. (laughs) Big (laughs) spender.
3: Right. Dalton would not opt for that. He'd show up late and only want to pay five bucks.
0: for sure for
5: sure i'm cheap it's half over can i pay 250
0: yeah 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 yeah. that's it that's me man uh dalton what's our show who's our guest our show is uh super fantastic and the guests are austin dalton and charlie (laughs) oh i was not
1: prepared shit
5: (laughs) Uh, stacy i just hope you realize how how much love there there is for your podcast man i just i I want you to know that we all do miss it so much so
0: and I mentioned actually the show I mean, was super fantastic. <laughs>
3: well, I was going to say I mentioned it earlier before Dalton had figured out how to download Chrome, but uh, I feel like I'm a Firefox
0: <laughs> guy. I feel
3: like there's some, there's some I feel like I'm I, uh, there's some karma that I owe Stacy being the last guest on his the show, and I'm like guess. maybe it, like this is like my my attempt to you know use the podcast paddles to like revive Super Fantastic by having him on our <laughs> show clear. for the second time. This is the second time you've been here. You were here once before with with Young Ed.
2: Yeah. Um. um so I I I. Absolutely appreciate everybody who tells me, like, oh, I missed the show. Um it's coming back. And I know I've said that before, and it's been untrue or has proven to be <laughs> untrue after I've said it. Um, but this this time it's it's real, it's back. Um okay. pull the curtain back a little bit. Like I uh moved. Yep. Uh had to move like a year ago unexpectedly, and my original idea was you know what, fuck doing this show for the rest of the year. Uh, I'll just pick up in January. Um actually I was gonna pick up in December, but to do the Christmas episode didn't happen. Uh ended up moving to a shift where I worked very late. I worked from like five thirty PM until two AM Sunday through Thursday. So the time period that was available to have people on as guests to do those episodes just really wasn't there. Yeah. Um but then I got a different position in the company that i work for in june so since then i've now got a schedule that works for the show again i've got eight guests currently lined up which will put me
0: into summer basically that's fantastic so I'm really I'm happy, happy to Listen, brother, if you want to talk about Hocus Pocus 2, I'm your man. <laughs> that's not, oh, how, that works, that,
3: that's not okay. how that works, Dalton. That's not how that works. Stacy reaches out to you. It's very, like, you know, Godfather-like. <laughs> He's like, I would be honored if you would be a guest.
2: <laughs> uh, uh, no, Dalton, if you've got a, a horror movie that you want to do that's not Hocus Pocus 2, um, we can... <laughs> We could certainly uh, we could certainly look at that. But you mentioned Chantastic and uh, Ed and I had stopped doing that because Chris Chan is, you know, Chris yeah. Chan. he raped his mom. Yeah.
0: Um, so it's not funny. I, I laugh out of nervous. Yeah. Um, so like we were like, well, fuck that. We can't talk about her
2: now like this is it's just that doesn't work right and like everybody else had stopped doing anything and now like the longer it's gone on like more people have came back to like covering it and ed the other day came up to me at the wrestling show we were at and he was like so i think we should just start doing chantastic again (laughs) and i was like oh i guess i was but so i think it's gonna move behind the pvd paywall that's cool Uh, funny enough okay That's
3: Ed and I were texting the other day and he said the same thing. He's like, I'm trying to convince Stacy to do super Chantastic (laughs) again. And I was like, I was like, I did notice that Gino Samuels is doing his his thing again. So I guess he he thought there was enough of a cool down period uh,
0: that it's okay to go back into that. I think Gino's thing was he's going to leave out like the really bad thing that happened. Yeah, we'll see. Which I, got, I have got mixed feelings because go. I understand. I understand that's like not a pleasant thing to talk about, right? But his whole thing is this is a comprehensive history, right. and it's not very comprehensive if you leave out the biggest scandal that happened. Well, luckily he's
3: years off from that. Like, I mean, there's still so yeah. much content, that he doesn't even have to think about that for a
2: couple of years. Yeah, and so like, I there's also the possibility that like, so no, no. Trial has happened, right? She's just being held in jail for a very long time at this point,
0: with no. She needs trial intense imminent. medical mental care, yes. not prison. In my opinion, like she needs fucking doctors checking out her brain, yeah. Because normal people don't do any of the thing that she's done.
2: <laughs> well, so I, I, you know, I think everybody would agree that there have there are multiple things with Christine that needed to be addressed at different times right like there's mental health there's mental health stuff there's the the autism piece of it which i realize she has done a lot beyond you know more than you would maybe expect given all the other circumstances around it that you also had like autism and you got a college degree (laughs) while all this other is kind of an achievement right like yeah Right. But there's still got to be some underlying stuff there too. That was never worked through from like childhood trauma and shit. I'd, yeah, her dad doesn't seem like the most warm and friendly, compassionate
0: father figure. You know, without what do you mean? Hair. You gonna chop down the internet? <laughs> Society would have been a lot better if Bob would have just chopped down the internet. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I
3: mean, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm a fan, uh, first and, and and foremost. So I'm excited to hear that. And all right, buddy, grab that mood. wheel.
0: Get us back on track. But we are. <laughs>
3: Talking about somebody else today.
0: We didn't introduce the show, dude. Yeah, That's your if job. If you catch of my if you, it's it's you keep interrupting me. Stop being <laughs> it, wimpy. It, 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 it's if you catch my grift. <laughs> and I'm here. I am Dalton. I am here with Austin, Heaveno, and Charlie Butters. Hey, and we are joined with the soft and sultry tones of Stacy Silver. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um. Should have been a phone sex, man. You missed your calling, buddy.
2: Hey, you know, there's not a big calling for it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's like some ASMR stuff you could definitely
0: get into. Um, oh hell yeah! I see a lot of creepy ASMR stuff. So pop up, pop them on my, like TikTok live. If you scroll long enough, you'll get to like the live feeds, and there's a lot of girls doing a lot of weird shit.
3: You your your TikTok feed has got to be the most cursed it could possibly be there's no fucking way that you watch the shit and i only see like a small percentage of what you send me and i'm just like this is i can't even imagine i bet it's worse than the smell of your car after arby's i guarantee it
0: (laughs) (laughs) um a lot of like big booty latinas um i found myself like
3: sending you pictures
0: 2010s internet memes um that's pretty much it. There's pretty more. Much it. There's more. But
3: we'll, we'll get to that one day. We'll, <laughs> <laughs> one day we'll get to that. But now, actually, we're doing something that you have bemoaned in the past, Dalton. You said that we always talk about doing a carny, and we've never done a carney. We're doing a carney. We are talking about Anton LaVey, the founder of the Church of Satan, and he's a genuine carney. Like, that's like where his start mm-hmm. was. Um, but first, I want to play a little clip, because... I found a video called Law Enforcement's Guide to Satanic Cults. Uh, It's on YouTube. (laughs) So I'm going to say this right now. We're going to use a couple clips today from that because the the Anton LaVey clips are not all that – fascinating or interesting so we're gonna use this but we're gonna use this a lot in the next episode because we're really gonna be diving a lot deeper into the satanic panic and old school satanic panic
0: is just fucking
3: yeah ah, uh, yeah Yeah. we're talking about one guy in particular um but we'll 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 get to that so i just want to play that because i want you guys you know, we did Kenneth Copeland last week, who's probably a Satanist, but preaches as a Christian. And so like, this is the companion piece because we want to be fair and balanced. But I know that probably the people <laughs> on this call are probably leaning a little bit more towards Satan than Jesus. I, I think that's a fair statement. It's a fair statement for me to make. I don't know. Stacy's seen some shit. Maybe he to saw the light. To be fair, but-
0: I think that Jesus Christ himself would probably lean more towards <laughs> Satan than the evangelical version of Jesus Christ.
3: Right. So yeah. I, yeah. I want to play this clip about uh, the three different types of Satanists, um, and I want let's let's just identify what type of Satanist you tag yourself.
6: <laughs> there are three general areas and levels of involvement in satanic occult worship. The first would be dabblers. There are people who just use it for fun and games, may be involved in some video games and that kind of level, possibly a little graffiti, but reasonably innocent. The second level would be those that are involved for spiritual reasons, and they recognize that there's power in the worship of Satan. These people generally worship together and try to find the mystery of it all. And then the third level would be criminal involvement, and that's the area that interests us. These people actually believe that they gain power through criminal activity, through killing people, through various rituals that are against the law in our states and in our country. So there it is. (laughs) That guy is something like him. (laughs) Do you see that mustache? Sweater vest. Oh my god! I also like whoever framed (laughs) that shit up. They were like, "All
2: right, we're gonna have him stand by this bridge. It's gonna (laughs) look real nice in the background." I'm gonna put a spoiler alert. There is a guy
3: with the most excellent mullet that is walking you through satanic uh, scenes in a park. You know, he's like, "Well, that graffiti." He completely ignores the squastica, and he just focuses on the six 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 that's next to it. And I was like, "Yeah, that fits." That tracks.
2: (laughs) I've I've got a feeling if you're involved in this video, you're. You're always ignoring that swastika. <laughs> <laughs> I, think you're probably, I mean, was, oh.
3: but like the fact that they shot it. I mean, it was it's clear as day. And he's like, "You see that 666 six stick up on the wall?" And I was like,
2: "What's next to it?" <laughs> like Satan
3: never actually killed people in real life. What is? Ne- it's right there. It's in the same frame.
1: Like, anyway, I, I
0: don't want. This is an audio medium, and the, you can't the see the only it. person, the only people that hate less than the site, uh, Satanists. There's the juice. So <laughs> the tracks, the tracks. Yeah. I like I like the I like the term dabblers.
2: Dabblers. Some, I do. too. Some
3: dabblers. <laughs> what do you do for fun? I'm, I I'm dabble a dabbler, you
5: know? <laughs> you know? With some
2: graffiti.
5: <laughs> some like a, a yeah. with video
2: games you yeah. know yeah. how many satanic video games have you guys ever played
3: <laughs> well they're only satanic if you play them
2: backwards right if you start at the oh, end then okay then okay,
1: <laughs> <then you go>. <laughs> okay.
3: <laughs> that's what i was told tipper gore told me that in the 90s um <laughs> yeah she <laughs> Psych- had to be right i mean she was an psychopath. expert psychopath um all right. So it uh, probably shouldn't surprise anybody. Anton LaVey was not actually named Anton LaVey from birth. His name no. was Howard. Howard Stanton, <laughs> Levy, actually.
0: Um, and it just doesn't have the same ring to really it. It really doesn't. You
3: know, you're like, hey, I'm the high priest of the Church of Satan, Howard. <laughs> <How's it going? laughs> just doesn't work. But that's so, part of the carny, man. It is. It's totally part of the carny. Like, everything about... Like I just kept... Like, the more I dug up, the more I was like, oh, my God, this fucking... Of course. Of course. Like, everything. It was just he's like...
0: fucking working, brother. Absolutely.
3: Um, so, he was born on April 11th in 1930 in Chicago. Um, he would claim... Uh, I mean, he's... No, spoiler alert, he's dead now, but he uh, would claim that he came from a gypsy family that is, like, great-grandmother. Or grandmother was a gypsy, and... That's not true. He was just a normal kid from a normal family in the suburbs of of Chicago. Um, But he also, you know, this is his mythos. We always talk about like the legend building, even as a kid, he was like a spooky kid. He was like, oh, all I read when I was a kid was Dracula and Frankenstein and like weird tales, magazines and things like that. So, you know, he's trying pretty hard to be this dark priest figure. Um, or at least make you think that he's been like this from like he was
2: anointed at birth. Image I is bet a if he was like a real now, Anton he'd be LeVet. one of like. I'm sorry, Stacy. Oh, that's cool. Say it again. As an image was a big deal to Anton Lavey. Yeah,
0: huge dude. He'd fucking love Spirit Halloween. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Honestly, he'd probably have to get a job there if he was still around today. He'd be 80 years old, no, no, no Social Security or retirement
2: money.
0: Look, look, it's all the pentagrams.
2: Oh, I don't know. I don't know, man. He he would be pulling down some money at this point. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. I think, um, I think he would have got a little litigious as people started oh, yeah. co-opting shit in the yeah. last 25 years that he's been gone. Yeah, I'm curious what he would have I that is a question I thought about. It. It's like what would he what
3: would he be doing now, you know? Um so I'm going to read a little bit from this book called The Black Pope and it's one of his biographies. It's by a guy named Burton Wolf and Burton was actually in the church, so some of the stuff is a little hero worshipy in this, you know, like it's it's I tried my best to kind of like just go with my gut on what I thought was, you know, real and what I thought was fabricated. Obviously, I don't know, um, but I did what I could. Um, So this is just from when Anton was younger. And it actually reminds me of another grifter that we recently talked about. I'll I'll, I'll let Dalton see if he can figure out who it is. So it says Anton, on the other hand, thought of himself as, quote, an island of sanity surrounded by the noise and savagery of Cretan-like teenagers constantly charged up with energy repressed at home, as he put it. On the school bus, he felt as though he was in charge of Barbary apes, Forced into gym classes over his protests, Anton grew increasingly resentful, and all that resentful, resentment exasperated his detestation of, quote, over-exuberant, towel-slapping, game-loving boys. Um, <laughs> yeah. He despised football, baseball, and basketball, the all-American sports, and even donkeys had too much sense to run around a track, he thought. Anton wanted to study judo, With no such class available to evade Jim, Anton resorted to inducing a physician to write a note stating that he was sickly and needed rest, an early sign that he was willing to fabricate in any way necessary in order to obtain the goal he sought. Does this remind you of anybody that we talked about?
0: Um, it's ringing a few bells, but I can't put a name to my lips.
3: This for me was like reading about David Miscavige again.
0: Fuck yes, and how he was it like, does. I despise <laughs> all of
3: these people I go to school with, and I need to go and learn from Elrond. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Look at me, I am king. Yeah, I am God. I'm special.
2: <laughs> yeah, the the difference is, Lavey is Elrond.
1: Yeah. instead of being yeah. mis <laughs> yeah
3: yeah it I like and you we're, we'll talk about it a little later and as we go there is so much crossover with LeVay and Elron it's it's kind of shocking except Elron ran his scam a lot better uh, than, than, than LeVay did uh, yeah but they they have a lot of it's it's kind of wild um and from what I tell they did they never cross paths at any
2: point um uh, I don't think they would have, no, but it's interesting because they're the two people so like in the in the the century that was the nineteen hundreds, two we saw two religions form, yeah. right? And it's those two. It's yep. Scientology and Satanism. And it's interesting the parallels that are there between both of them that both came out of that kind of same time period. Yeah. Well the only reason I said the crossover piece is because I know
3: um I know Elron Hubbard ran into ran in like some of the same circles as Aleister Crowley for a little while. So I knew he would kind of had that occultist, you know, <laughs> that spooky motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, and so I know that that was a thing. So I was like, I wonder if and I just, and I can't tell. I, LeVay didn't really leave San Francisco. Once he got there, he kind of just told up and he wasn't, he wasn't touring the country. And I don't think Elron uh, wasn't really ever in California. From what I can tell. But just had flashbacks of the wizard fights that
0: they had. Well, forgive me if I'm wrong. I may be skipping ahead, but LeVay's like a big orgy guy, right? Yeah, you're uh- skipping ahead a little bit. But yeah, I, I wouldn't leave San Francisco either, brother. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think he they really he
3: talks a lot about hating Jim, even like as a grown man. He still talked about it a bunch. He's really stuck on it. But I did find something that I thought was really interesting that I'd never heard before. And I think it might have something to do with why he hated it. So he was allegedly born with a tail and an extra vertebrae. And it's apparently a condition that happens in one in about every 100,000 births. So I don't think it was made up because he said um, this is actually from an interview with him. He said, I never thought about it, although it really was profoundly disruptive to everything I did. I couldn't sit straight in a chair because it would get inflamed several times. It had to be lanced and drained. The last time it happened, we were camping on Rocky terrain. I rolled around and must've banged it next day. It started itching two days later, it really flared up. Um, And apparently this was wartime and there was a shortage of hospital rooms and anesthesia. So he said he was operated on, on a gurney and a hospital hospital hallway with a local anesthetic that was not very effective he recalled biting through the rubber cover of his so i also think you probably don't like to go to gym and get changed to put on other boys if you have a tail
2: i mean like he was like
3: yeah yeah, yeah. 13 or nothing ain't wagging
2: yeah yeah and i think now they could probably get rid of it but yeah i think they that's... and they
3: did it was removed but he said it was like insanely painful the operation to do it but i get i mean that you're 13 years old. You're not going to want to take your pants off around a bunch of other boys. If you've got a tail speak
0: for yourself. Well,
3: (laughs) 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 you ain't normal. We know that. Um, so in high school, he also discovered, like, his love of music. And this is something that happens throughout his entire life. He he does love – he enjoys playing music. He uh, first played the oboe, uh, and then he learned the piano, and eventually he would find the organ and the calliope. So those are the big instruments that of his life. Um, he's also a weird guy in high school. He, like, dressed in old military uniforms, and he, like – was really inspired by like gangsters of the 1920s, you know, like with Tommy guns and things like that, and so that's that's kind of his aesthetic. And I'm like, yeah, you're going to high school like that; they're going to think you're weird. And I don't know if it's deliberate or it makes dude, you the person. If any in.
0: motherfucker came to my high school dressed like The Godfather, I would, dude, they'd have a field day.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> so could. Dalton, you've got to think about this though, right? So he's born in 1930, and he's emulating. A look that was still pretty popular in some adult circles by the by the late 40s, early 50s when he's in high school. Right. So like it's not as weird as it would fucking be if it happened like when you were in high school. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I
3: think it went beyond dressing. It was very much like he kind of thought he was a gangster, you know, like he he looked for them for inspiration. And it's something that he says openly, like when he's trying to figure out what he wants to do in life, he's like, I need to start. A, a con and a scam like those gangsters that I look up to. So it's it's early with this guy. You better wash
0: up the devil, or you'll be sleeping with the fishes.
2: <laughs> Fish or Satan? Pick one. I, I wish that was actually the way Church of Satan had been. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Say hello to my little Satan. <laughs> um, so he drops out of school when he's 17. And this is what he says that he this is I kind of got ahead of myself. He decides he's either going to join the French Foreign Legion or dream up some sort of racket to make money, which I think is really telling. Um, so but instead of that, he claims to have met someone from the Clive, not Clive, sorry, Clyde Beatty Circus, Clyde Betty Circus. Let me hold,
0: let me cut you off right there. Yeah. Speaking of starting a racket to make some money, you can subscribe to our racket at patreon.com slash if you catch my griff. Get all sorts of bonus content like dog tales. And there's a couple new shows coming soon. Yep. We're going to figure it out. Y'all patreon.com slash if you catch my I'm
3: bringing all my <laughs> UFO shit over there. That's where it's going. Okay. That's going yeah, to be fun. I found some weird, weird podcasts with a couple of people we've talked about in the past. So I definitely want to go through those and just expose Dalton to all of the brain rot that comes with some of these guys.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Fucking Coast to Coast. We're doing a Coast to Coast show on Patreon. Well, it's loose. We're, we're, we're talking about it. We're in the process yeah, of talking about it's,
3: it. It's going to be different than you think. I got to keep you surprised. Okay. Um, Although, honestly, as a podcast, if we just, like, watched or listened to Coast to Coast together and talked about it, I'd be perfectly happy doing that forever. (laughs) Fuck yeah. (laughs) Fuck yeah. But anyway. Like the Um, old
2: Art Bell episodes? Yeah, all the Art Bell. I can't stand George
3: Norrie. Um, Just the Art Bell stuff.
2: But George Uh, Norrie is going to have people on who are going to tell you about the angels that visited them. (laughs) I I listened to a caller recently call in on
3: Art Bell. And he said, Hey man, I just want to talk to you about like a week ago you had Alex Jones on. And he goes, I don't, I've never had Alex Jones on my show. He's like, Yeah, I'm pretty sure you did. And he's like, No. He goes, Nori has him on his show. He's not allowed on my show. And he got really mad at the caller. He's like, Don't tell me I had Alex Jones on because I don't like that guy.
1: <laughs> yeah
3: i thought it was great i meant to clip it i should have clicked because i was like this is this is just too good but yeah he's really he gets really upset with this caller and he's like i do not have alex jones has never appeared on my show you must be talking about george
2: (laughs) alex jones soon to file bankruptcy Oh, he already
3: did.
0: Already has, brother. <laughs> he already did. But now he owes yeah.
3: literally a billion dollars between the first two cases. It's insane. Anyway, none of those it. people Rest will ever see their money, Jones. but he will
2: never have anything. Yep, ever. that's again. it. That's exactly what
3: the point is. One of them asked for. I just told. Was I telling Dalton this? One of one of the plaintiffs in that was asking for a dollar. He just wanted this to be, you know, out in the open and for everybody to see what a shithead. He wanted a dollar and the jury awarded him 120 million.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: I love that. Uh, I watched the I watched uh Alex live streamed the verdict on his on Infowars, and I watched. It. it was a mistake. It made me really upset. I was like,
0: I was so happy for these people. He was openly laughing. Wasn't he? Yeah. He was going more, yeah.
3: more, take more money. You're never gonna get it from me. More. Oh, it was really upsetting. Anyway, let's go back to, to less upsetting things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll say we'll say we'll Alex yeah, we got, for a couple got, weeks. Yeah, we got an episode on him coming soon. Um So he gets a job with the circus and he is traveling with the circus. He's 17 as a cage boy. And that had a very different connotation in my brain, but it's not what it was. <laughs> I, I was like, I, hey, think I think I've been to a couple of clubs with these. And then they're like suspended above, you know. And it's just, it's, 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 so it's basically the person that attends to the big cats. So he was feeding and making sure the, the lions and tigers were taken care of. It's called a cage boy. And I, that, there's been journalists who've like looked into this and they're like well there's no record of him ever working at you know at a at a circus and i'm like well circuses probably don't keep the best records number one and number two right. he's a big cat guy later in life so i'm i kind of i'm willing to kind of say yeah i think he probably did this this is probably true
2: so not to not to sp- fucking spoiler alert uh but so many times it's going to be well anton leve says that he <laughs> Fill in the blank. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it may or may not be true, mm-hmm. Um, which is one of the, the beautiful parts of his grift. Yeah. Um, But with the circus piece, if any of them are true, it's this one. It's the circus one. Right. Because exactly what you said with the big cats, because he did. He kept uh, people say it was a lion, but it wasn't a lion. It was some <laughs> other big cat that he had in, in the black house. Right. Yeah, a couple. And of them. and. and like there are now his his grifter grandson has started going through some of Anton's old shit and is putting it up for sale through his grift website. Um and he has found old posters. That unless Anton just had fucking posters made to trick people into believing he had been at a circus, been <laughs> part of a circus. That, he's lazy. He's not doing that. <laughs> and it had, and it was very much like you could tell it was him because he, it listed him as like the master of, and then it was like every fucking instrument that he had ever played right. or ever could have played. And like the poster was like, who goes to the fucking circus for the dude who plays the organ? Not one person <laughs> has ever gone to the circus. Like, because the advertisement was like, this motherfucker's playing the organ. I gotta fucking go. <laughs> um, well, like, fuck the lions. Yeah, fuck, <laughs> the, fuck the clowns or
3: any of that. Um, he, well, he does say too, and he, he did say, he's like, he was very quickly promoted to the assistant cat trainer. I don't believe that. I think he was a cage boy. Um, but luckily for him, the, uh, calliope player at the circus was a drunk and showed up to work drunk and couldn't play. And so that was the point when Anton, um, stepped up and was like, Hey, I can play this and became the new calliope player for the circus. And that's
2: true. That role, as opposed to being cage boy put him around the actual grift part of the circus and let him see the business workings of the front end of the, the carnival.
3: Yep. Oh yeah. Got to see carnies being carnies. Well, so this is, and this is technically a circus. It actually, he, the circus closes for the season and he ends up joining an actual carny (laughs) carnival. So as a carny, he goes to the, it was called the crafts 20 big show. And, He was a Calliope player. And I got to say, carnivals used to be much cooler than they are now. They had like rides and a freak show and they had burlesque dancers. And I mean, like, I was like, this is a lot more fun than what you think of as a carnival these days. You Um, could
2: never have a freak show in 2022. Yeah, they have one in in
3: Coney Island. It's not great. It's, I've been a few times. It's just kind of mild and not interesting anymore because you can't do it.
2: Yeah, because people will say you're being exploitive.
0: Yep, because you are. (laughs) Well, (laughs) Uh, no, they just, they just, he just, if you want to, if you, if you're doing it like, if you want to be there, are you really being exploited? Well, Uh, Bob Zombie gets away
3: with it in his movies. Oh. This is really when he starts to think about like what would become. Church of Satan. Obviously it wasn't that. He wasn't even thinking about that. It wasn't like a a factor, but it said, and this is again from that biography I talked about, um, says as was, was, As it was from his view of gangsters, it was his experiences in the carnival that Anton began to formulate the philosophy that he adopted and called Satanism. Some of his cynicism, his disdain for the masses, his feeling that individuals who wind up swindled and impoverished get what they deserve stemmed from his study of gangsters and carnies and their prey. So this is what you were saying, Stacey. Um, He said, if you want to fault Anton in some way beyond his propensity for inventing tales about himself and his origins, the valid way to do this is to focus on how he turned the worst characteristics to be found in humanity into his cynical conclusion that it is the way of all human beings except Satanists to be construed as superior creatures above it all. So, and, and I, I. Everything about him that I don't like it is the cynicism because I just I I think I've become a lot more cynical over the you know last couple of years and I I don't like him
0: and I don't like it <laughs> but it's you know so this Anton LaVey guy real Debbie Downer huh yeah 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 it kind of is um
3: so about this time. He tells a story about meeting and possibly dating a very young Marilyn Monroe um, that she was a burlesque dancer at a the Mayan Theater in Los Angeles. And he was there as the organ player. Now, a lot of people around Marilyn Monroe are like, no, this never happened. And part of me is like, yeah, they would say that because they like she's, you know, got this really <laughs> crystal clean image, you know, like they always downplay the JFK stuff and obviously that's there, but like I mean, nobody's going to want to admit that she was a burlesque dancer and that she she was into the bad boys. Dude, she was into the bad boys, you know? She was into Joe Dimaggio, <laughs> right? Like that's that's all American. So I, I, there's there's definitely a lot of like cleanup that happened with her image that, you know, I think that there's parties out there that are interested in in kind of upholding so i don't know could be something maybe not um the owner of the mayan theater at the time said we never had burlesque and right. somebody actually <laughs> uncovered an article in the, new, the I think it was in the la times back then that was advertising burlesque at the mayan so there's just
2: a lot of people that can't be trusted this just like
0: oop, my bad <laughs> oh, i forgot
2: <laughs> and so that's my favorite part is almost every one of these to a question if there's did anton really do this all of the shit around it is so muddy yeah. that you could never know for sure either way.
3: Yep, it, there's a lot of liars.
2: <laughs> it's know? amazing. Who
3: who knew that a, the owner of a burlesque theater was maybe not always going to be on the level? You know, I mean, in like, <laughs> in the fifties, like was this. In uh, additionally. LA
2: to- Additionally, like the legality of a burlesque theater, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what the laws were in California in that time period, but it could be one of those things where like, so in Cleveland forever on Brook Park Road, there were a bunch of rubbin tugs. And they clearly advertised in the back of, like, the scene in the free times uh, of, like, come get your dick rubbed (laughs) at the fucking Asian massage (laughs) parlor, And, like, that wasn't legal at all. And if you drove past, it wasn't, like, a sign where this was happening. It was just, you know, like, Asian spa, right? So, like, it might have been, you know, the Mayan might have just been the Mayan. And it might have said, like, dancing tonight on the... On the thing, but like, right? There were advertisements that were like, "Come see tits at the Mayan yeah. tonight."
0: <laughs> okay. So, uh, for my next trip to Cleveland, do you have the address of these uh, Asian fact. massage? Fun fact:
3: That's where Charlie picked up the last name Butters because he was just so uh, slick.
1: Oh. <laughs>
0: when she got done with him, he sure was.
3: <laughs> Charlie, but- we got. Maybe we should have kept you on that producer level.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, maybe. anyway anyway, um charlie body butters (laughs) so so it uh by 1949
3: he was 19 years old he had returned to san francisco so he had quite a run in la uh and around california with the carnival but he moves back to 19 and he uh marries his first wife carol uh who was 15 at the time Mm -hmm. Oof, that's yeah. not a good look. And two years later, they had their first child together, which is also a little rough. But so he knocked her yeah. up at 16. Yep. A kid at 17. I, you know, it's inappropriate. But, you know, you have to go, eh, it was happening more often than yeah. we like to think about at that time. You know, it's like... I don't know. I always think of like Charles Manson and those girls that were following him around were like 14, 15, 16. And nobody, that's not the issue that people had with Charles Manson. And I'm like, (laughs) yeah, but what? You
1: know?
3: (laughs) And that's a solid like 20 years after what's going on here. Anyway, that's a real, that's a a road to go down that I don't really want to go down. But, um, to support his family now that he has a family, he starts, uh, taking photographs and, his specialty was taking photos of car accidents that he would attempt to sell to insurance companies and the San Francisco Police Department. So he was catching wind of these accidents, going around and and, and taking these crime scene photos, basically, um, seeing, you know, dead dismembered bodies that, are, that resulted in these crashes and really grisly stuff, um. Another one, again, he was, they were like, they, at the the San Francisco PD doesn't have any record of him working for it. I don't think he actually worked for them. It felt like he's more of a freelancer and that he would, you know, make so some money selling. Does
0: the San Francisco Police Department does not have a forensic team that takes photographers? Uh, this is 1949? Yeah. Um, maybe not. Yeah, <laughs> I keep forgetting we're in
3: the forties. Yeah. This is, this is a long time ago. And this is like insurance companies are not nearly like sophisticated as they are now. So it's like, there's, right. I think there's, there's an audience for this. I don't think he was making a lot of money, but, um, he does at this time really get acquainted with the cops. And he, now he's, now he tells that he started working for them and he's basically taking on all the weird cases that the cops didn't have time for, or didn't want to do. So like, um, haunted houses when people would like report a haunted house they would like call up anton and be like hey we need you to look into this
0: this is a little something nice i'm telling dude spirit halloween vibes all the
2: way i this is one that i will say there's probably like a sliver of truth in.
3: yeah i think there's a real yeah i mean because he's he he plays it up and he's like there was a haunted house so i went to go spend the night in it And I took my, you know, my sleeping bag and I got to the bottom of whatever noise they were
2: hearing. And I'm like,
3: is anybody actually going to pay you for that?
2: Like, (laughs) even the police. But I, so I don't want to jump ahead, but I mean, he was a paranormal investigator.
3: Right. And that's where this came from. He was like, this is my, he's an early paranormal investigator. Um,
0: Was he like an EVP guy or an orb guy or what's going on with the paranormal investigations?
3: I don't, no, I don't I, think things were quite that sophisticated yeah, back I don't think then. So either. They were oh, just like yeah. 40s. This, Sorry. this weird guy just sleeps in haunted
2: houses and then reports back to the cops. That's pretty much the, <laughs> ex, the extent of it. So the reason that I believe that they may have employed Anton Levay from time to time to investigate spooky shit is because you've got to remember that, like as recently as the 19 probably 90s, I. It might still go on now. Uh, I don't pay attention to like exactly what cops do now, but they would employ psychics. Oh, yeah. Like they would have psychics oh, yeah. come in on murder cases. So yeah. to to tell me that in like the late 40s, early 50s, that the San Francisco Police Department was like, hey, this LeVay guy says he's a paranormal investigator. Let's, let's bring
0: him in on this case. <laughs> that seems like it could have been real. You know, we covered uh, Sylvia Brown recently, and uh, that tracks. <laughs> that, yeah. that absolutely tracks. We also
3: uh, covered in episode seventeen Dorothy Allison.
0: Dude, you have a fucking brain like a no, Rolodex. I, I wish I you could just, be that fuck sharp. No, man, I just pulled that up <laughs> while you were talking. <laughs> Dude, I'm trying to talk you up, brother. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to give you credit. <laughs> no, no, because
3: if I get tested for that, I'm going to fail and fall right on my face. <laughs> I was like, what episode is that? <laughs> I want to look like a professional podcaster. Um, so, yeah, so paranormal investigation period happens. Um, now I want to switch it up a little bit and talk about the Black House. Uh, so in 1956, levey acquired a house at 6114 California Street in San Francisco, and according to him, <laughs> it was, quote, owned by an eccentric black woman who had fitted it out with trapdoors, secret passages, ladders, and other madhouse contraptions. Apparently, he cool. also said it used to be a um, a brothel and that it was a very famous brothel. And that's who he got it from. In reality, it was owned by his parents and they let LeVay
0: cool.
3: <laughs> and his family live there rent free uh so it was yeah it was a house that his parents had owned apparently his dad was kind of a degenerate gambler and it had to like well, once up again
0: a huge it- debt Generational wealth doesn't sound as spooky as trapdoors and mazes. And- <laughs> nope, sure doesn't. <laughs>
3: yeah. So, well, his dad was a gambler, and they bought the house for cheap, and then they mortgaged and remortgaged and remortgaged it, refinanced it basically over and over again to pull money out of the house to pay off his dad's gambling debts.
2: That's <laughs> the, the that's
3: what I found. So they had this extra house, and they're like, yeah, you can live here and apparently without paying rent. So, you know
2: the the black house is the perfect example of the church of satan all the (laughs) way through because like anton never let the truth get in the way of a good story yep and the black house itself the the black house itself is completely
3: false it's fantastic he did paint it i mean it wasn't black when he got it it was apparently like slate gray and he did paint it And most of those trapdoors and stuff were installed by LeVay. Like, there was, they did not exist in this very normal house that he painted and made this weird, spooky house (laughs) thing. So, yeah. Um, He, around this time, he meets Diane, who, and possibly starts an affair. I I think he did. This feels right for him. I couldn't find any hard evidence because. You know, the way that he and Diane ended things. But um, so he's married and now he's having an affair with this woman named Diane, who's a bit of a smoke show. I got to be honest. And i was seeing early pictures. I was like, damn, <laughs> go. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it, it also felt like his relationship with his wife, Carol, was falling apart. Um, she didn't really like any of the spooky stuff that he was starting to get into. And the, their marriage came to an end and they were divorced in nineteen sixty. So now we're up to 19th. Are you looking? I up? see you, Diane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is back to the biography, the black Pope. Really quick, it says, with Carol gone, Anton was free to begin using the black house for purposes that he had envisioned, but that Carol would not allow. Her her aversion to Anton's growing obsession with magic had become one of the causes of the rift between them. I think also that he was fucking someone else. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Just a thought. When Anton told her that he intended to begin holding magic seminars in the house, Carol said she would not hear of it. So, Carol's gone, bring in Diane. And Really, Diane is like the big relationship of his life. Man, like Carol he, really
0: fumbled a bag on that one, though.
3: There's something about people named Carol, I love my Aunt Carol, but like there's something about that's a it's you know, Karen gets bad rap. Carols are up there, too. Uh, I just think of Tiger King anyway. Um, <laughs> that
0: bitch, Carol Bastions.
3: <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so they, now they're kind of up and running. And it wasn't long before LeVay started hosting, I call them spooky talks. He called them magic seminars. But I prefer <laughs> of, spooky talks. I
2: like it too. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I do my spooky talk. <laughs> 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 um so
3: he's so this is um from a piece in rolling stone by lawrence wright who interestingly has this re- it's a really good piece from the early 90s where he went and met with LeVay and interviewed him he also went on to uh write a very a big book on scientology so this was like his wheelhouse um and he's got some interesting writing on like religion and religious movements that i that i, had, I need to pick up i wasn't Totally familiar with his work before. But anyway, he goes on in this piece. He says, these meetings became famous in the city. And eventually, LeVay opened them to the public, charging $2.50 a head for his lectures. Um, That's big money back then. It was. It was. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fortune telling and character analysis or love potion and monkey glands, vampires, werewolves, freaks, um, bondage and torture, moon madness. It was a survey course of the weird, the forbidden, and the occult. People, it's, so, it's
0: really fucking cool, though.
3: It does. Like, this is cool. This is <laughs> cool stuff. really fucking cool. He said, uh, people would spill over the stairway outside and listen through the windows. One memorable evening, LeVay spoke on the subject of cannibalism and his wife, his second wife, I don't think they were actually married, um, a slender blonde named Diane served a small portion of human thigh, with a when a doctor friend had salvaged from an autopsy, so
0: they ate a dead. Is woman's it thigh. real human thigh though? It's Anton
2: Levay. This one yeah, I'm gonna he, go working. with. No, that's a work.
3: I so that biography I read. I I had to replace the because I read it and I was like, this is gonna make me throw up. And, on while we record, it was such a graphic so, description of how she cooked this dead woman's thigh that I was like, I can't do that on the air. So I
0: replaced it with this. Yeah. Yeah, I so let me. I'm sorry. Uh, let me ask you if you were presented with it and it looked, you know, crispy brown, you know, got that little, you know, crust on it. Would you try a bite of people? Yeah, yeah maybe. Uh um, yeah, I, I, I would, I definitely would 100% would. give me a side of ketchup, baby. I'm gonna scoop that. shit So, look, the only thing that would concern
2: me, and maybe I'm gonna sound real dumb right here, it could be, I could sound extra dumb right here, <laughs> but I. I believe isn't mad cow disease doesn't it come about because cattle are fed beef yeah so my I got to know my concern would know. be eating human yeah. flesh is there a fucking a, a downside you know what i mean and i don't i don't know
3: is, is it is it the food equivalent to cousin fucking
2: oh for sure it's cousin
1: fucking <laughs>
0: It's like, I think I'm taking a real heel turn on this uh, episode with the E Town concrete and the people eating. But listen, I got to know. I got to know what it tastes like. If it's presented to me, I'm I mean, like, it's probably. But how would taste- you know if they cooked it well? Yeah, that's the thing.
3: It's like, it, it's going to taste the way it was prepared. And I mean, I, I, I can find the description really quick, but it's gross. Like she's like using like, like, and then they talk about like the consistency of the meat. And I was like, nope, not doing this. Not going to fucking talk about this on the podcast. Just going to mention it.
0: <laughs> After we get them recording, I'll send you a link about this guy. He got in a really bad motorcycle accident and they had to amputate his foot. And about this. since it was his biological property, he filled out some forms and got to take the foot home and him and his, and him and his friends prepared feet tacos with it. Yeah. I remember reading and, or
3: hearing about this. I don't know where it was from. Yeah.
0: I'll send you a link to it. It's a really interesting I don't like story. That. So I don't I'm a
2: hundred percent not
3: eating my
0: own foot. Me too. That is wrong. like,
2: <laughs> that is zero fucking chance. Yeah, nope. Nope. Not going to happen. So. <laughs> Can I can I point out something too with like yeah. what Le, what LeVay has going on in this time period with his spooky talks? Um, when you think about where he is, so we're probably in like the mid '60s at this yeah. point, right? Yep. So, this is like
3: 60 to 64, kind of this period.
2: Okay, so early early to mid. But so like when people think about like the hippie movement, right? You immediately think of like 1969. You think of like very late, but that's like the end of it. Yeah, that's its last like. It it goes out with a giant bang at Woodstock, basically, but it starts in the mid '60s, and it starts where he is. He's in San Francisco, so that whole community. There's a big intertwining of like the the hippie community and like the the acid guys and all that stuff and the Satanists and all that kind of blends together in that city in that time. Yep. You also have, I mean, there's a lot
3: of shit going on in San Francisco. Cause you also have like a, a, I mean, even more than in New York, a like thriving gay community. You've got acts like the grateful dead, you know, which I mean, they did more drugs than just about anybody else. They came out of San Francisco and, um, so, yeah, there's a lot. This sounds cool as fuck. It does. This is a good time. Honestly, <laughs> cool until like the 70s punk movement came across, like San Francisco was so much better than New York <laughs> in that respect. Like, just the wild shit was happening. The 70s came and New York was like, hold my beer. We're going to do this punk thing for a while and shit got real, real wild
2: here. But yeah, no, it's, it's, this is like, But so New York in the late 70s had that kind of intertwining of a couple of things happening at the same time, too, where you had punk, but you also had disco and fucking cocaine. (laughs) Yeah, lots of cocaine. So much cocaine. It was cocaine. is my favorite
0: marijuana. It
3: It was perfect, though. I mean, like his timing could not have been better in terms of like an opportunist and really no. Like, I I do think that he's able to kind of like read the environment and, and feel it out. I think he's really good at that. And I think he, he nailed it with this. Well, that um, comes from the carny part of it. It does. Yeah, absolutely. You're sizing up what's what's all around you. So um, here, this will actually put a date to it. So, so it says by 1964, this is again from that Rolling Stone article, LeVay was cutting a conspicuous public figure in San Francisco as a psychic investigator, in quotes, who drove a coroner's van and could be seen strolling a black leopard named Zoltan. Zoltan used to sleep in the crib with Carla, his daughter, second daughter. Uh when
0: was Whoa, it excuse me? Yeah.
2: Yes sir.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Good God. When the leopard was run over by a car, which was really sad, he was quickly replaced by a ten week old Nubian lion named uh Tugar. So he had a black
0: leopard. Don't look- Got killed. People at home, don't let your big cat sleep with your kids, please. <laughs> and,
2: and Togar <laughs> is the one that ends up in like the film, and yeah. that yeah. there's like there's actual video of. The, there's the first a funny cat story
1: about now. Togar
3: too. And I, it's 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 a good one. We're, we're, we'll talk about Togar. Is going to come back. Togar also was like fucking Anton shit up a little bit. Like he was not a was not a well trained lion. And
2: like, well, because Anton wasn't a fucking lion trainer. Right? He just like. <laughs>
3: uh what is that line from tiger king it's like everybody who owns big cats is weird (laughs) yeah like this is very much in that um so uh, here's the thing and this is a theme that we see with a lot of grifters in this show and anton is very much a grifter like this is not like i don't think he's a He's not a, a an evil or, you know, very sophisticated grifter, but he is none of these fucking guys want a what we would consider like a real job. Like they just want to figure out yeah. how to make money and they and end up the five
0: shit. They, Don't work for me, buddy. Yeah, but
3: it also they end up working harder trying to grift people than they would if they had an office job and a 401k or whatever, except for Anton, Anton strikes me as very lazy. And, and and that's my opinion, right? And people, if they listen, and I mean, someone may listen and kick back on this, but it just doesn't feel like he was like, just wanted to do the easiest thing possible, get out of there and, and, and make some bucks. I mean, he's living rent free in his parents' house, right? So he's got that covered. So he just needs a little
2: like walking around money. Yeah. And so the, the other thing with him too is he didn't, he set himself up specifically to not have to try hard, right? Like yeah. he as soon as like all of like the spooky sessions and paranormal investigating and all that shit comes to a screaming fucking halt. As soon as there's a money income source with church of Satan. Yep. All that other stuff goes away immediately. Yep. Um, so
3: we talked about like San Francisco in the sixties. That was kind of my next section. It was just like, this weirdness and counterculture. Uh, and then you know, he, yeah, he just, it, it, like his sessions get a little bit more extreme. Um, and like the stories that he's telling get a little bit more extreme. But then 1966 was a very big year for Movement and Anton specifically. Um, so more and more people around LeVay urged him to capitalize on his meetings. They were like, you could make a lot more money off of this than $2.50 a head. And so um, Ed Weber, he was a friend and he was also a publicist naturally was apparently the first to suggest that they turn this thing into a church. And so this is an interview that Ed Weber gave to a guy named Michael Aquino, who I think Stacey will know who that is, um, who was not a big fan of <laughs> Anton Lefay, And, uh, he actually, we'll, we'll talk about him a little later. I don't want to spoil what happens when it, you know, but he said, um, I know for a fact that the idea of a church had never entered Anton's mind. At the time, he was comfortable with 20 people and 5 to $10 worth of donations on a Friday night and doing his little social sort of thing. I had some background in churches and charters and tax considerations, and I felt that this was the way to create a vehicle for people to learn about Satanism. I knew that nothing like a Satanic church existed at the time because we researched that per- pretty thoroughly, too. So during the next few weeks, I invited a number of people here in San Francisco, real estate people such as Don and Willie Werber, nightclub people such as Al Williams, a couple of public relations people. Um and a columnist to come here, Anton. I started bringing a lot of media contacts and then some celebrities (laughs) I knew who would be in town. Everyone agreed that it'd be a lot more interesting if he'd form a church of Satan. So we started working out the deals. Tony Kent introduced us to an attorney who specialized in charters. We sat down and talked with the attorney about getting a charter for the first church of Satan through the California Secretary of State in Sacramento. Uh, While the papers... This I find funny. papers being filed, we began looking into possible meeting places that could hold two to 400 people for lectures and rituals. We approached the Masonic temple on Knob Hill and the Fugazi hall where beach blanket Babylon is now in North beach. I knew the Italian family who was, renting that building it was a Weird your typo on the counter because instead of doing a second draft last night, I got drunk and watched the golden girls. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like that plan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was very funny. It was good. Just Leave that in Charlie season four <laughs> and just went, um, we also checked out the Unitarian Church on Franklin Street and spoke with uh, Cecil Williams about possibly using his Glide Memorial Methodist Church. When Williams learned that it was the first church of Satan we were talking about, he just laughed and said, well, you know, I don't know how we could work that out. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it, 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 I know it dispels a little of the fantasy behind this, but this was definitely a, a concerted effort to turn this into a money-making venture. Maybe not oh, for sure. thought of by Anton initially but definitely embraced by him once it got going um so people around him were like you're already doing this make some money right and i think this is also speaking of the time you had a lot of reputable people coming in and out of here like lawyers and doctors and i mean like this is they were searching for counterculture that's why there were so many cults that started up around this time people were like legitimately looking for answers and you got this guy who says he's got them and you're like, well, why not? Let's go. Let's, let's see what this guy's got,
0: you know, see what's well, going you on. Search with- for counterculture because the culture is fundamental Christianity. Yeah. And <laughs> it's,
3: people don't want that. It's Ozzy and Harriet, you know, it's like these sterilized sitcoms where they sleep in two twin beds next to other that are not even like pulled together. <laughs> it's, it's like separated by a nightstand. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's all weird stuff. So you could see why this is appealing. Um, So on April 30th, 1966, which was the night of uh, Walpurgis. I don't know if I said that right. Maybe you can correct me.
2: Um, My pronunciation on that word is horrible. So you did better (laughs) than I would. (laughs) So the Church
3: of Satan (laughs) was born and Anton Xander LeVay was its first high priest. So 1966. Um, uh, Year one. Year one. That's it. That comes up in just a minute too. <laughs> uh, Christians would pay to Saint Walpurgis, who that night was uh, named after, to protect themselves from witchcraft. So that was like Anton's little inside joke, where he's like, "Oh, you want to protect yourself from witchcraft? I'm going to establish the Church of Satan on that night." So that's that's the big thing. Uh, so Olivier um, later on would attribute a lot of events, like big life events. To happening on that night, I don't really believe any of it. Like the <laughs> way that that's one of them. Like I don't think so. No, nope. um, well, it's
0: fucking lore, right? You're building the but lore, it's lore. It's character. Yeah. This
3: guy is more than anybody we've talked to is a lore builder. Like we've we've talked about origin stories with all of the other grifters we've talked about. None of them do it like him. And it's that carny shit. It tell, it's that carny, carny, carny shit um, that, that causes most of this. Um, so up to that point, step right up, sir. see the devil, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for real, so, uh, it, yeah, for real. <laughs> He's here. No, we know him well. He's a friend. Um, so up to this point, LeVay like cultivated his appearance, but the final step was shaving his head, and there are a few st- stories about this. Um, LeVay claims that it was done as a part of the satanic ritual to like cement his place as the high priest. His uh, very estranged daughter Zena. Uh, claim that he actually shaved his head as part of a lighthearted dare from his wife. Um, So, you know, everybody's... If
0: shaving your head gives you power, that explains Johnny Sins. I get it now. (laughs) I get it. So,
2: Austin, I don't know if you're going to touch on this part, but my favorite possible... Uh, reason that head got shaved.
3: I think I know what you're talking about.
2: <laughs> is a television show called <laughs> The Wild Wild West. Yes. Um. So, what was the date of uh, the first day of year one again, Austin? It was
3: uh, April 30th, 1966.
2: Well, on March 25th, 1966, <laughs> the Night of the Devil's Blood aired. That episode of Wild Wild West Featured Don Rickles <laughs> playing a Mestophelian uh, priest called Osmodius, yep. who was an evil magician who headed a satanic cult and looked remarkably like Anton LaVey did in the way that you always see Anton LaVey. Yep. The little goatee, shaved head. <laughs> I couldn't have said it better. That's 100%.
3: It's like, there's no DVR. There's no such thing as a rerun at this point. Like, there's no way that Anton LaVey, knowing Hollywood and being like as Hollywood obsessed as he was, didn't see that show and start to formulate ideas. Like, the paperwork was probably being shuffled around for the church, and then he saw it and he's like, Ah, this is what a satanic cult leader looks like, and yeah. I'm gonna look like this. <laughs> and it's Don
2: fucking Rickles.
3: Who That's my that favorite shit?
2: fucking part is that you it's Don talk, Rickles. What is the
3: least threatening human? And Dalton's like, I don't know who that is. <laughs> no. Don, Don Don Rickles just this will be the one you get. It played uh he was the voice of Mr. Potato Head in Toy Story.
0: Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah he's an yeah, inside. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I
2: I wish that Dalton could have been front row for one Don Rickles oh my show God. Oh my God. or have been on like a panel where Don Rickles heard him tell a story, the reactions that Rickles would have had, the names he would have called Dalton. Oh, my God. My God.
3: He, <laughs> Rickles to me is one of those comics that even though. I mean, he, his peak was many, many decades ago. I could still watch and laugh my ass off. He is so freaking funny. I mean, and he doesn't swear, and, but he is the best, like the funniest insult comic you're going to run into. He just, his he little in, bit
5: in Dirty Work is one yeah, of my I favorites.
3: Dirty Work was great. And like Norm Macdonald was so excited to have Don Rickles there because he was like, I just can't believe
2: Don Rickles agreed to do my stupid movie. <laughs> yeah and he let don rickles just be don rickles yes like they
3: didn't write anything for him they were like you yeah. just go and insult him and he's just like look at you, <laughs>
1: <Just> <laughs>
3: rolls Why don't you buy horse
5: move to the mountains and don't bother don't
3: anybody bother I, love that. I love it my favorite i laugh so hard <sighs> he's so good he's so and it's i know it's a lot about his delivery but my god he's funny i mean he just yeah
5: anyway he shows up on tiktok a lot too people clip uh him making fun of like julia roberts and stuff on tiktok and stuff from some <laughs> of the that stuff hilarious. like yeah
2: and he was still quick all the way up like i saw him oh, yeah. on a late night show like maybe a year before he died yeah, he did and Letterman he was still the time. Like, yeah he was still like sharp as fuck yeah like, it was amazing
3: now, he was out there hanging out casinos with uh, and casinos with Sinatra. Like, he was
2: the... Sinatra loved Rickles. Like, it, it, oh, it, dude, that 100% checks now. This tracks. Think about Levey's obsession with, like, gangsters and mobsters. Oh, yeah. And then you've got Rickles, who's in that circle, who You're plays dumb. this fucking satanic priest on Wild Wild West. Of course, LaVey is going to be like, ah. Oh, I... Didn't even put that together. You
3: are a hundred percent right, though. Yeah, that makes so much sense. See, I like this. This is, this is things I haven't told over for the last, you know, three weeks trying to write this script. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know, it's also like at the same time, the Munsters is on television, the Adams family is on television. So like, there's 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 some of this. The what? The, the Adams what? Family? What shows on television? The Adams family. The Munsters. No, before that. The I've Munsters. never heard of it. Just yeah. Well, there's a great movie on Netflix. You should give it a shot. That is a lie. You're a lying. I'm
0: fucking with. Uh,
2: Don't make that. He watches enough bad shit on his own. Don't make him watch. Other totally bad There's a, there's
3: only one Herman Munster. It
2: was Fred Fred Gwynn, and uh, he was a legend. Dude, I'll say this. If that fucking this is not what this show is, but you brought up the monsters, so. I'm <laughs> If if Rob Zombie would have got out of his own fucking way, that movie looks beautiful. It fucking looks amazing. If he would have got out of his own fucking way and hired a casting director and got somebody better to write the script, because I understand what he was going for. He he wanted it to feel like a 60s sitcom. It felt like a fucking two-hour 60s sitcom. But Rob Zombie's not funny, so he didn't write funny shit. He just wrote, like, really boring shit. And then his wife and that fucking accent she picked, and, like, the dude who played uh, Herman, like, Grandpa was fine. That dude could have been in any casting of that movie and been fine. But if they could have got somebody to throw a little more money behind that motherfucker and cast and this is a, like a weird dude to say he's not like super famous but he's famous enough that maybe they did ask him and he said no but based on who's in this motherfucker they didn't ask anybody rob zombie was like i'm gonna have my friend be in the fucking movie but if they would have went to brag garrett oh yeah and been like dude would you like to be herman monster motherfucker's already tall He's they huge. wouldn't have had to put him in weird boots. He already kind of looks like Herman Munster. He already kind of sounds like Fred Gwynn. The voice. The voice. Yeah. Like, he, if you could have got him in that role and then literally any actress who's not Sherry Moon Zombie. We did it, boys. We brought back Super Fantastic.
1: <laughs> oh no i never shit on
2: movies like this on that show
1: no
3: he's very that, show's never... in,
2: that show's informative this is just me yeah no it's it's yeah the monsters
3: so uh church was formed and there's a few questions and i couldn't get a concrete answer in this not surprising about the nonprofit status of the church so one telling and maybe Stacey, you know more than i do about this um one telling goes that LeVay tried to get it and was denied. There is a documentary from a couple years ago about the Church of Satan, and they, like, boast... Oh, is it called Hail Satan? No, that's the Satanic Temple. Okay. That's a different Okay, about
0: to say, I was about to say, okay, I saw that documentary. Yeah, but it's never mind.
3: different. They don't really... They're not friends they're and all that but vast they're like yeah I know, they're, they're, they're very much not friends yeah, yeah. so <laughs> this one was called uh this one was called satan like an american satan that's what it was called okay okay and it's it's very pro church of satan and they make a point about going well levay never believed in having a tax-exempt status so he never got it and that's we're proud to be taxpayers now and that doesn't really sound right either based on everything i know about everyone who's ever formed a church like that's the reason you form a church that's the sole reason that you form a church is so you don't have to pay taxes on revenue. But I don't know two different stories, but that that's, that's out there.
2: My um, understanding of it. And I don't know any, I don't have like secret information. Right. Um, but sure. You don't say it. No, <laughs> <laughs> but like my understanding of it was at that time, they were pretty discriminated against by the, the government, as far as being allowed to have that status, which to me, oh, I right. say they had everything in place. They were every much as much a religion as 30 other fucking religions that were recognized. Um, so, or, you know, divisions of religions that were recognized. Um, like even things like the Bahi faith and things like that. You know what I mean? Like, so there's a, like a ton of, of, examples of things that were cited where it was like we should have had that status they couldn't get it because they were church of satan there was a discrimination against it because of that and then he quit trying i think if he would have pushed so the satanic panic also hurts right like all Mm -hmm. through the 80s there's that whole thing up into like probably the early 90s um i think if in the late 90s he would have been around and they would have like pushed the issue a little more. I think they would have had their tax exemption eventually. Um, I
3: I agree. I I think it got to the point where again, legend building. It became this thing where they're like, well, if they're not going to give it to us, we're going
2: to pretend like we never wanted it. Yeah. That's a hundred percent. It because image, like you can't have the image that they're not, that the church of Satan's not controlling their own destiny.
3: You also they also do this thing where they're like, We're anti-Christian and all these Christian churches get tax exempt status,
2: so we're not going to on purpose. Right. They should pay taxes like we do.
3: Yeah. Yeah. But they're right about that. (laughs) They 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 absolutely
2: should. Yeah. Um
3: so church forms, and then there is a massive publicity push. And um I want to read again from that Rolling Stone piece. It said the publicity explosion began with a satanic wedding that LaVey performed for John Raymond, former writer for Christian Science Monitor and Judith Case, the daughter of a Republican stalwart in New York. A photograph of the couple with LaVey standing behind them in his black cape and horned cowl and a naked, naked redhead who served as the altar behind them was carried (laughs) out in newspapers across the world. This is Barbara McNair, the actress and singer, attended the ceremony, and that began a correspondence between LeVay and Hollywood that would add luster and credibility to LeVay's organization. Among the stars LeVay claimed as friends over the years are Kim Novak, Christopher Lee, Lawrence Harvey, and Keenan Wynn. Um, I will also add to that Sammy Davis Jr. And the big one, the one we're about to dive into... Jane
2: Mansfield. Yeah. I, I'm
0: not ringing any
2: bells,
3: uh,
0: brother. I knew you were Get say the that.
4: fuck out
2: of here, <laughs> Dalton. Come on, man.
4: <laughs> I I Name some to...
2: movies.
3: Name some movies. Nothing you would see. This is like she was in the 50s and 60s. J A Y N E Mansfield.
0: Wait, didn't you say something about her on like the Griff Sword? Or is that another blonde? That um, was another blonde. Okay. You for sure know her well, daughter. Who's your daughter?
5: Mariska Hargitay. She's in uh, Law and Order, Special Victims Unit.
0: Oh, okay. He's probably never watched that either, Charlie. (laughs) I mean, I've seen like bits and pieces. Everybody's seen Law and Order SVU. Come on. There's no way anybody hasn't seen SVU. (laughs) Yeah, I've seen bits and pieces. Like, I know it's like really like heinous, like sex crimes. Yeah. I
2: refuse to believe that you could, somewhere in the world, at every time of day, you can watch, you could turn a TV on and Special Victims Unit's on. There's no (laughs) No, way that's true. I don't
0: have cable. I'm poor. (laughs)
2: dude i think hey it's on fucking nbc like the first run you can watch on a fucking antenna for free also stacy by the way i i just found this out and i think
3: it's fascinating peacock has a bunch of trauma movies on it it does lloyd's getting that peacock money i was like go you talk about grifters holy shit oh
2: man that's the next episode i'll be on I think
3: the- we could, I I think we could get I think you could get Lloyd on your show I think we
0: could. <laughs> I is she like a porn star No man No she's bomb The first thing I see is like her riding some dude on like you can't see that because it's no it's- gla- glaring But the first thing I see is the movie called Promises Promises that came out in 1963 and it's just her like riding cowgirl on this guy.
3: Yeah, so that actually was the very first time a a, an actress was nude in a Hollywood film. That movie, and it was her. Okay, but she she's brilliant. I fucking love Jane Mansfield. I think she is, you know, constantly lost in history to like Marilyn Monroe. But to me, she is the blonde bombshell. Like she's the one. She was beautiful, but she was also like in real life fucking brilliant um she was a playboy playmate she was an actress on both you know stage and screen she did broadway and off broadway she was also in a bunch of movies uh she was a nightclub performer and she was a musician which a lot of people kind of sleep on um she like she's the bomb bomb chill she's like she like triple threat baby she played violin piano she spoke five different languages i mean like You know, she even recorded an album of Shakespeare, which I didn't know about until recently, which it was called no idea about that. Yes. Shakespeare, Tchaikovsky and me. That's the name of the album. And it's Tchaikovsky music with her reading Shakespeare over the top. And I was like, this is so cool. That Um, came out in
2: the 60s, right?
6: Oh, yeah.
3: Oh, yeah. Man, (laughs)
2: the 60s were full of weird experimental shit like. People put wild shit out on records in the yeah. 60s. They were like, let's do it. Let's do it. So th- I think the only reference Dalton may have, Dalton, have you ever seen Pulp Fiction? Yeah. So don't, doesn't Tarantino reference Jane Mansfield yep. when they're in the, he's like, cause she's like, that's Marilyn Monroe. And he's like, no, that's Jane Mansfield.
0: That's yeah, no, Marilyn Monroe. I, so actually, oh, okay. I, yeah, yeah, I think I was gig. talking about. Okay. Yeah. So okay. he goes,
3: uh, so Uma Thurman says, oh, there's two Marilyn Monroes tonight. And he goes, no. He goes, that's Marilyn Monroe. He goes, that's Mimi Vandora. And he goes, Jane Mansfield must have the night off tonight. That's, that'll see that's her. what it is.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so
3: okay. Mimi and and like there was, or Mamie, sorry, Mamie Vandora. Uh, Mamie and Marilyn, they all had that. There was like a very, there was a type, this like blonde actress. And uh, Marilyn had kind of fallen out of favors with a bunch of the studios. And so when they found Man- Mansfield, they were like, oh, look, here's our new Marilyn. You know, it's just really a horrible thing to do because she had her own talents and was her own person. But they were like, oh, let's just plop her into these movies as this, like, blonde, you know, goddess. Um, she was a big time publicity seeker. Like, she is like the archetype of... These publicity hounds you see now. Like she was always pulling crazy shit just to get her name in the newspaper, which I think is great. And that's how you establish a brand. Um but oh but when Kanye does
0: it. I'm kidding. I'm joking. Oh. I'm, joking. Yeah. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm <laughs> joking. What were you gonna say, Stace? Not a damn thing.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um so, my I, I
0: saw the I saw Stacy's face light up. I have to grab that one like, real quick.
3: Uh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> so, um, She by the early 60s, her career was on a bit of a downturn, you know, because she turned 30 and they were like, no, you're too old, Um, which is fucking wild. Uh, She also had a family like she started. She ended up having five children and they were like, well, we can't really do that. Yeah. Um, She got dropped by Fox Pictures and she had a string of marriages and affairs and divorces. Some really shitty men were in her life. Um, But. She, you know, late 20s, she's now washed out. She, like I mentioned earlier, she's the first actress to ever show up nude in a Hollywood film. In that movie that you were talking about, Promises, Promises, she turned Mm -hmm. down a role as Ginger in Gilligan's Island. Which most people were like, that's yeah, the I
0: would have heard of her. My grandpa
3: watched Game. So. Yeah, it was she said no, and it was a really big misstep. Um, and I, this I just love because I'm a big John Waters fan. John Waters said that Divine, drag queen divine, he always said was Jane Mansfield meets Godzilla. And I think that's the best fucking description <laughs> of Divine I've ever heard. And yeah, Dalton has no idea who Divine is. That's okay. We're just going to keep going. No, you,
0: you, you've brought it up before. Okay, good, good. Dalton,
2: yeah. Dalton, you need to search out Pink Flamingos and watch yeah. it. Especially the, the poop
0: scene. Yeah. Poop scene? I don't know if I want to watch it then. Yeah, you do. You do. This is something you do. <laughs> okay. I'll, uh, I'm typing it down right now.
2: <laughs> so, I don't think, uh, I don't think any water also- stuff is streaming anywhere. I don't think so either,
3: but it, I just heard that he's actually decided he's going to make one more movie, which I'm very excited about. Off that, of the, I think
0: Flamingos is also the name of the best strip club in Atlanta, by the way, if you're ever in town. It's probably named after this movie.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: Are you sure do it's they not have, a drag strip
0: club?
2: I was going to say, do they no, have different, no, I'm sure, I'm different sure. entertainment on different nights, maybe? Like,
0: <laughs> maybe, possibly. <laughs>
3: uh, yeah, no, he's, he, he just announced that he's making a movie out of his novel, mm. um... Called like loud girl? What, hold on. What is it called? a oh, liar mouth.
0: <laughs> About a grifter, of all things. Let me let me describe to the people what you guys just try to get me to watch. Displaying the tagline, an exercise on poor taste. Pink flamingos is notorious for his outrageousness, quote unquote. Nudity, profanity, pursuit of frivolity, scatterod scatalod scat scat a lot scat. Sc- mm, can't say that. <laughs> sensationology A <laughs> uh, number increasing uh, i can't read today good god a number of increasingly revolting scenes that center on exhibitionism voyeurism sodomy masturbation gluttony vomiting rape incest murder cannibalism castration foot fetishism foot fetishism and oh, I gotta let my Southerner out today, boys. <laughs> and concludes to the accompaniment of how much is that doggy in the window? The Divine's Consumption of Dog Feces. Maybe real, probably real dog feces. Come on, y'all. I can't watch this. It's a great can. American <laughs> movie. It's a great American yeah, classic. Make sure she's in bed first.
2: <laughs> I'm actually excited to see what John Waters can do with 2022 technology and Him budgets too. and. Like because there's so much shit that would have previously been wrapped up, or he's gonna be a fucking guy who shoots on film
3: still. Yeah, yeah. like he, he bugs Tarantino for some of that film that he's hoarding away, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh so it, let's back to Jane Mansfield. Um, fresh off of her third divorce. Uh, she became very reliant on her lawyer slash like this guy really wanted to be her fuck boy. His name was Sam Brody. He um, her third husband kidnapped their kid like when the divorce was happening and ran off and Sam Brody, this lawyer came in and sorted that out and got her kid back. And so like, she was like forever indebted
0: sorted it out. Did he go to prison? No, no, no. <laughs> he, he kidnapped the kid. Got the
3: kid. Well, it was his kid too. So it's like those parental kidnapping suits are really. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, complicated.
0: It's a, a great area.
3: Brody figured it out. This guy, lawyer Brody, but he also like really had the hots for Mansfield and he, helped her out but he also like tried to stay in her life and basically by being a controlling asshole like he was very much like in charge of her and her career and he thought this is a way to get into her life and to be part of her life and to make himself indispensable so that she would fall in love with him and he's like a weird little toady lawyer um I can't find a fucking nice thing about Sam Brody. No one <laughs> likes this guy. He is a shithead by all accounts. <laughs> like, literally. I, like, nobody's like, oh, he was a decent guy. And then they were like, all, he was like the last in a string of abusive assholes that were in Jane Mansfield's life. So, that's just kind of what it is. Um, <sighs> so she <laughs> Brody go to the San Francisco film festival in 1966 and they attend this festival. And by attend, I mean that she was crashing parties and screenings <laughs> to make some headlines. So she was showing up. She was uh, at this point, she was probably on some drugs, maybe some booze, but she just kept showing up at these parties and these screenings. And people were like, we don't want you here. Why are you here? But, <laughs> She was also in San Francisco and caught wind of the Church of Satan and said, hey, this is a really good opportunity to get some press. Like, what if I am the satanic actress? Like, no one's doing that. Super cool. It's super (laughs) cool. cool. It's super cool. So, um, you know, I mean, she's like Marilyn Marilyn Monroe, not a satanic actress. Like Mamie Van Doren, again, not a satanic actress. Jane Mansfield is like, I'm going to be a satanic actress. So she meets up with LaVey, and I think they hit it off. Like, they seemed to have hit it off. Everybody was like, they became very good friends. Um, you know, some people were like, oh, they had an affair. I don't think that that was the the, the the case. I don't believe it was possible
2: for Anton to have an affair. Yeah, you think Diane had him on lockdown? No, I don't think there were those kind of rules. Mm, okay, okay. So that it was like poly... More like an open situation. Yeah, yeah. open...
3: Yeah, I think you're probably right, but I also just think that Mansfield and him did not never
2: slap together. That would be. Well, I don't think he could pull Jane Mansfield. I don't think so either. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. I, I think he would like you to believe. Yeah that he pulled Jane Manfield. And there but. And,
3: but and there's a ton of photos of them together. You know, like he's in his like little goofy devil hood that he wore mm-hmm. a bunch which is just I haven't even talked about that, but it was just so so cheesedick. Um but there's a lot of photos, but they're all posed. You know, like they're obviously staged photos for publicity. So, it, you know, it's it is what it is. But there was a falling out between Levey and Brody, right? The story was that He lit a skull-shaped candle and LaVey got mad at him. I don't believe that. I think that LaVey just saw that Brody's treating Mansfield like shit and was like, I don't like this guy. He's treating you like garbage. You're better
2: than this. And that's really kind of the the impression I got. And that's absolutely a thing that would go into the tenets of what he thought of Satanism, too. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. This is a grift, but LaVey really... the. Some of the essence of what is in the Satanic Bible are things that were very much shit that LaVey believed in. Right. Um, Like survival of the fittest kind of shit.
3: Violence and being yeah. okay with hate. And uh, we'll cover yeah. the nine tenets because I've got a, a clip from that a law enforcement guide
2: that outlines those nine steps. <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: Yeah. But, uh yeah, I, I just don't think he pulled Mansfield. I think... No. It was a mutually beneficial relationship for the two um, yes, in a business tasty, sense.
0: You don't know, it could have been a fun night. The drinks were flowing, mm. you know, the people were having a good time. I think if you watch
3: enough LaVey content, you'd be like, no, nah, this guy ain't doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I that's why I didn't include any of like clips of him being interviewed on this show because it was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> this is, this is, I've used this term a lot recently because I like it, but I was like, this is definitely somebody who's been smelling their own farts. Um, Boy, <laughs> <laughs> he really loves them too. He <laughs>
0: loves it. He's like, yeah, let's
3: do it again. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, there's falling out and whatever, whatever happened, this is now, this is the big legend stuff. LeVay is said to have put a curse on Brody on Sam Brody, not Jane Mansfield, Sam Brody. He said that Brody would die within a year in an automobile accident. Uh, so in November
0: of Okay, 19- before you get to like the monkey's paw curling <laughs> and I can't say this anymore. Super fucking cool. <laughs> you say you to <laughs> put a curse on somebody. Yeah. It <laughs> Super is cool. fucking cool.
3: <laughs> yeah. It, until it wasn't, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, November 1966, after the curse was placed, Mansfield's son, Zoltan, who was weirdly also the name of LaVey's leopard.
0: Well, they I, say, wasn't that the cat?
3: Yeah, that was the cat. And that's also Mansfield's son, um, was attacked by a lion. Again, fucking weird that, you know, LeVay has a lion. This kid's attacked by a lion and bit in the neck. Um, it There's was, a lot of cat shenanigans going on and oh, I can't keep up. It was horrible. It was horrible. And it was like the, that That um, Brody had taken Mansfield and the kids to this like Hollywood retirement home for all these like cats that were like the MGM lion and all this stuff. And the kid got too close to the cage. The lion got out and attacked the kid. Um, it was just horrific and no one was sure really if Zoltan or uh, Zoltan would survive. Mansfield was like absolutely devastated because you would be, right? You're a mom. Yeah, your child was exactly. just mauled by a lion. And so I, she was desperate. And I think like, I think that's a fair statement or a fair assumption. And she called up LaVey thinking that maybe this was part of the curse that he put, right? Like she believes it now because this horrible thing, this freak accident happened. And so she asked if there was anything he could do to help. And I mean, right. This is a mother looking for anything to help her child. Oh, yeah. You would do Desperate. anything. You would do anything. I mean, mm-hmm. and that that's what it is. So LeVay agrees to help because the curse isn't, on Mansfield or any of her children, right? It's on Sam Brody. He didn't give a fuck about Sam Brody, but he likes Mansfield. I think they're friends, right? So the story goes that LeVay goes to the top of, um, Oh my God. I promised I was going to write down the pronunciation of this mountain. Uh, it's (laughs) look
0: at us. Southerners boy. We can't read shit.
3: I think it's Tomal Pius in San Francisco. I probably screwed that up. See, this is the golden girls got my way last night. What, what, what's going on with the penis? What, Tommel Pius
0: is the Tomo name of the mouth. Louisiana really shining today.
3: You've been piped down,
0: okay? You couldn't put <laughs> fetishist. Let's we'll uh, sit here, you <laughs> Cajun motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking gator All I'm going to say
2: is all the struggle you went through reading whatever the fuck that was like three minutes ago, and you're going to give him shit for yeah. not being able to say the mountain?
0: This is what I'm saying. I got to to make you me speak. feel better. <laughs> <laughs> to I make see. me feel like a complete person. All right, I I'm going to
3: do this in Dalton style. He went up on a big old mountain. <laughs> and he said a bunch of words and he said, Remove the curse from this boy. And you know he what happened? He said the magic words. He did. He was like, I tell you, devil, get in this boy and let him walk again. And he was up on this bit; it was high up in the air.
0: <laughs> <Selling> my papa. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Peepaw are
3: going to be buddies. Anyway, he's going to be like, I don't even mind that you're one of them gays. You're pretty cool. I like I like you. <laughs> I'd be be like thank you Peepaw let's go shoot some guns (laughs) That's Uh, really Accurate (laughs) (laughs) So um, Yeah so hours Later allegedly The boy's condition turns around And Zoltan makes a recovery From being mauled by a lion Which is great it's good news Right? We don't want to talk about child death on this podcast. That's not what this podcast is about. However, on June 29th, 1967, so about eight months after this happened, Jane was in a car with Sam, three of her children, including Mariska Hagerty. No Haragate, fucking way. Right. Yep, and a 20-year-old driver on their way to New Orleans from uh, Biloxi, Mississippi, I believe. They were making a, a television appearance. The car was going way too fast. It rear-ended a large truck. And it slowed down, and it killed Mansfield, Brody, and the driver instantly. The curse
0: um, was real. Yeah,
3: well, yeah, that's 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 that's
0: the, that's the lore. Um, the kids, the three kids, including... Dude, the he few- would have got me. He would have got me. He was like, oh, man, you see that shit, man? Like <laughs> yeah. curse. That curse is fucking real, dude. And that's the story
3: that hit the <laughs> press. Um, the kids, including the future star of and S View, most likely survived because they were laying down, sleeping in the back seat. And the way it happened is that the car went under the back of the truck. And the rumor, the, the the legend is that Mansfield was decapitated. She wasn't. It was more likely that either she had a wig on and it was knocked off or that she was like scalped like the top of her. But she right. was, the, the head was on her body uh, despite everyone thinking that she went like Mary Antoinette. Um, so yeah, that's it. The curse happened. And it's awful. And it's really terrible. Um, but Two things about this is that Brody had a reputation for driving way too fucking fast. So, like Anton saying you're going to die in a car accident, considering like how unsafe cars were in the 60s, that's not well, a bad way to hedge your bet.
2: gum. The other and thing is, also, keep, also the, keep this in mind too, that falls right into what you just said. Anton LaVey is a dude who had been in the carnival. He had been around fortune tellers. He had been around. He did the paranormal investigation stuff. Oh, shit. I forgot about that stuff works with reading people. Right. So him being around that asshole and knowing, like you said, that he had a reputation of being a shitty driver. He's going to say, oh, I put a curse on you. He's going to go. What's the most logical thing that could happen to this guy? And so when the dude ends up in a fender bender and doesn't die, you know what I mean? Just because he's an asshole and drives shitty, he's the is able to be like, "Oh well, I did put that curse on you. Looks like yep. you got out lucky this time." You know what I mean? Like he's hedging a bet that that would work. Unfortunately, it ended up the way it did. Yeah. Also, well,
5: that's why there's a bar on the back of trucks now. It's called the Mansfield Bar because of that. I did not know that. Mm. Thank you, yes. Charlie. Uh, I believe, I uh, can't remember who told me that. I heard something about it. And Family then. Of wisdom, Charlie Butters. Um, that's how I even knew like, that that was her daughter was because of that thing.
3: was all well, because of that. That's very cool. Didn't I know that? Yeah. I did not know that either. Um, the other piece, and this goes along with what Stacy just said, was that um, he was also like Brody was incredibly impatient. And that he wasn't driving. So, like, there's no way LeVay, but he said that it was most people are speculating, or people that I've read are speculating that he was like telling this poor 20 year old kid to get there as quick as he can because they didn't right. want to be late. And yeah, New Orleans, that was the end of Mansfield. So, 1967, that same year, had a second curse. It wasn't just Mansfield, he cursed another group of people. And they didn't have a spectacular end as, like Mansfield did. Um, they, turns out LeVay's neighbors didn't really like having a lion roaring at all hours of the day.
1: <laughs> <laughs> sure, Can't <did>. imagine
3: why. <laughs> yep. And so they petitioned the city to pass an ordinance forbidding people from owning lions in the city of San Francisco. And it worked and, and it did. So <laughs> LeVay ended up giving uh, Toguer to the San Francisco Zoo but not before putting a curse on all of his neighbors (laughs) because he was mad about his lion having to go to the zoo, which if you heard or read all the attacks that that lion had done (laughs) to LaVey and his family, you would say a zoo is a much better place for this lion.
2: (laughs) I regularly think like there are a ton of those stories and regularly i would think when i would read that shit when i was younger like man the first time that yeah. one of those things happened i would have been like well the lion's fucking cool but it isn't that fucking cool right and i would have found a place for the lion like that thing didn't want to live in that house no no <laughs> and, no no. it's a fucking jungle
0: cat it don't want to live in like i don't want to live in la period Right? san I, francisco sorry
3: did I, i've told have i told the story of Ming of harlem on this podcast um, I know what it is, but I don't know if you've told it it's on the podcast. Me, where that guy shows up in the emergency room with a tiger yeah. tiger bite in his side and you he go ahead and tell the story. He blames it on his pit bull, and the doctors are like, That is a not a pit bull size bite. <laughs> They're like, What the fuck is going on? And one PD responds, there's a full grown Bengal tiger in this guy's house like apartment, tiny apartment in Harlem. They find a crocodile in the bathtub and <laughs> there's a cat <laughs> and a little and a pit bull also running around the place. And apparently this guy had raised this tiger since he was a kitten and the tiger and the pit bull who was new to the house kind of got into it. He got in between and the tiger attacked this guy. Um, there's pictures like in the New York daily post of NYPD officers with the tranquilizer gun repelling down the side of this apartment in Harlem and this giant tiger at the window, like snarling. Um, so they eventually got the tiger out of there they brought him to a big cat home and they hired the guy to work at the big cat home. So he was able to spend time with this cat that he had raised, which I think is a really good ending. Um, and then but Ming died a couple of years ago. It was fairly recently, but yeah, he had, that was, that was a whole thing. It's like, how, there is some crazy shit going on in New York. Like there's some crazy people, but like, can you even imagine like when you hear that lion or that tiger roar, in a little ass, like a, a big apartment. Like, what do the neighbors think? And they interviewed right. the neighbors, and they were like, "Yeah, we knew he had a
2: tiger in there, but he didn't mess with us, so we left
3: him alone." I was like,
2: "The most Dude, New
3: York thing possible."
2: Imagine the piss pants situation you would be in. He what part of New York was he in? The Bronx. He was in Harlem. Oh, Harlem. Harlem so, yeah. Imagine you're in Harlem, especially like. So when was this? Was this like gentrified Harlem, or was no, this like? No, no, this was like early nineties okay just imagine the streets of harlem then and like you're walking down the street already probably worried you know what i mean yeah. and then like the f- it's a fucking tiger like if that thing got out on the streets of harlem
1: oh, holy geez.
2: fuck
3: uh that's the other thing too is that like it takes a lot to shake a new yorker and even a tiger living in an apartment people are like yeah well he's minding his own business just leave him alone <laughs>
2: or like the scenario where like that thing gets out and you walk out your front door or like the door of your apartment and like elevator opens
3: and you're like, well, there's a fucking tiger Uh, in my hallway It's like wrong floor. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. That's his now. I don't, uh, (laughs) I don't go there anymore. It, it is my like number one favorite story to tell anybody who just moved to New York. it's like just the crazy shit that can happen here. That's why whenever I have like a cable guy or somebody that I'm talking to, we're also waiting for Dalton. He just disappeared. Uh, So we're killing some time. But like when I have like a cable or an internet installer come in and I'm like, what's the craziest shit you've seen in somebody's apartment in New York city? And they all go, yeah, I I can't even talk about it. I was like, (laughs) I know there's some weird stuff going on here. (laughs) It's like Lewis Tully
5: with the, the Demi dog. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yep. All right, who brought the dog? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> Throwing his jacket on him in the closet. <laughs> um. All right. So, gave away the tiger. That's where we were. Um. And so, lion. Yeah, the lion. Sorry, you're right. Um, leve's timing couldn't have been better. As in 1968. We saw the release of Rosemary's Baby, which definitely, I don't know, maybe you can correct me on this because you're a very knowledgeable person on like cinema and media. But man, that movie kicked off a Satan frenzy in popular culture like nothing else at the time.
2: Yeah. And there had been stuff before it, like there's stuff in the 60s, like British stuff, um, some Italian stuff. That was like the devil would be in it or the devil was a character, but none of that, like none of it was set in a way that like hit in America yeah. the way that did, because that was a story that felt American, right? Yeah. Like it, New it York was,
3: City it was in the, it was in it was um, one of
0: those like it could happen here type yeah. things. It was in
3: the Dakota building where John Lennon lived before he was
2: assassinated. Like it was, there was a lot going on in that movie yeah it uh so and there's also that's another opportunity of like did did Anton do what Anton said he did right and what he said he did he
3: said he had two things he said he was an official advisor for Roman Polanski the director and he also said that he played the um the devil in the scene where Mia Farrow is raped by the devil and like he's Mm -hmm. in a weird suit and I, from what I found, it doesn't feel like either of those are true. Like he, like Polanski was pretty true to Ira Levin's novel. Like he was like, he didn't need an advisor cause he had it all there. And the suit was used again in another movie and a woman actually wore it because it was a tiny suit. Apparently, you know, Anton was too big. He was six foot tall. He was, right. he was a big dude. So he like wouldn't have fit in that suit i kind of believe that like he's never been credited with anything nope i think i mean he he was an advisor in a lot of movies not that one
2: i i feel like if the shred of truth is there which i think in most of these cases there's a shred like a tiny little shred of truth and i think what may have happened because polanski Wouldn't have been so far removed from some of the circles that Lavey might have operated in, to where the two of them may have encountered each other at some point. Um, Polanski may have been like at a fucking party, right? Yeah, yeah. And Polanski might have been like, you know, I'm making a movie about a cult that worships the devil, and your church of Satan. And they may have had a fucking conversation about it, and. To Polanski, that was just a conversation he had with the Satan guy at the fucking party. But to Anton LaVey going forward, oh, he was a consultant on Rosemary's Baby. Right,
0: right. Well, all the best lies have like a grain of truth in them. Oh, it's just like these carnies and these con artists turn it like just make a mountain out of this
3: molehill. Well, and I think some of that comes from there's a scene in Rosemary's Baby. Where the Satanists are celebrating 1966 as year one for Satan. And that is the year that the Church of Satan was founded. And that is that gives that that grain of credibility yeah. to LeVay. I, I differ a little bit. I think LeVay saw that movie and saw that scene and was like, oh, that's that's us. Like that was the reason that he like ran with the I was an advisor because of that scene. You know, yeah. I, I think, you know, I think that might have been a nod from Polanski to Levey, you know, because he knew that this was, but, but it was also like, right, it wasn't San Francisco, it was New York, there was a lot, there's a lot of things going on. Anyway, it's a great movie. Check it out. It is, it, I think it holds up really well. It's a little cheesy, but that's just what it is. Also, Ira Levin, underrated novelist. He had this and the Stepford Wives. You don't hit that big twice usually as a novelist
2: yeah that's that's a big achievement and like imagine so he optioned both of those in the 60s right yeah step for wives is early 70s maybe um but imagine like the royalties then were been shit right right like they were probably good for the time but comparatively like those two things if he would if that would have hit in the 90s for yeah. him and not the 60s early 70s that dude would have been independently wealthy forever well it's cuz you were making more on book sales than movie rights and now
3: it's completely right. the opposite it's like you right. better sell that as a, as a movie or you're not making any money as an author
2: right all right so um
3: 1969 we've only really covered three years like it's only been three years since this, the church has been covered or been founded 1969 was massive for Levey. first nice. his book the satanic bible was published by avon books and then charles manson's little cult started killing people in california and claiming to be a satanist <laughs> Which is horrible, and I'm not, not laughing. Not, laughing at, not a good look. Not laughing at murder, but boy, that does a lot for book sales, and it could not have been a bigger tool. Oh, to so sell this a lot is of. a good thing for LeVay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole yeah. Ooh, country is okay. fascinated by Charles Manson, and now he's like, "Oh, Manson was a Satanist. I lead the church." So of we're Satan. not panicking yet. No, 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 no. This is, still this, this is like late 60s, early 70s. There's oh, definitely gotcha, okay. a
2: panic when the Manson shit goes down. Right. But not the 80s satanic panic. Yeah, it's not oh, like that. It's gotcha. not about
3: children or daycare centers and things like that. Fucking Metallica. We'll talk about next time. Um, but there's, I think LeVay probably ended up selling more books to people in opposition to his lifestyle in his church than he did to people that actually agreed with him. So he loved helped.
2: making money off the people who bought that book to, oh my God. to do their research. Right.
3: And so as part of this book, he lays out the nine principles of Satanism. So we're going to go back to that law enforcement's guide to Satanism. And we're going to watch a little video that outlines
0: the nine of them. Cause I'm tired of talking. Before knows. we do, yeah. I would like to point out to Stacey at least the people that bought Anton LaVey's book to, quote-unquote, do their own research. That's better research than what would have gotten done in today's era, in 2020. For sure. Yeah. Era, yeah. yeah. When, it would have just been Facebook
6: memes. Yep, that would have never like- left Facebook. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs>
6: the Nine Satanic Statements from the Satanic Bible by Anton LaVey. Number one, Satan represents indulgence instead of abstinence. Number two, Satan represents vital existence instead of spiritual pipe dreams. Number three, Satan represents undefiled wisdom instead of hypocritical self-deceit. Number four, Satan represents kindness to those who deserve it instead of love wasted on ingrates. Number five, Satan represents vengeance instead of turning the other cheek. Number six, Satan represents responsibility to the responsible instead of concern for psychic vampires. Number seven, Satan represents man as just another animal, sometimes better, more often worse than those that walk on all fours, who because of his divine spiritual and intellectual development, has become the most vicious animal of all. Number eight, Satan represents all of the so-called sins as they all lead to physical, mental, or emotional gratification. And number nine, Satan has been the best friend the church has ever had, as he has kept it in business all these years. Are these supposed to be bad
0: things? Because like it, makes it, it, makes it, it makes Satan seem really fucking cool. My dude. Yep. <laughs> not, uh,
5: not a big fan of Colin Robinson, that, that guy.
3: it's you know i mean like it's you could see the appeal right yeah for sure (laughs) if you're like i'm going to take everything that christianity stands for and i'm going to flip around flip it around it's going to be about like you actually are able to hate people as much as you love people like you are there's there's it's it's a it's a hedonistic and materialistic philosophy
2: right right and it doesn't say not to love someone It says only love those who are deserving of
3: it, right? And 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 require vengeance upon those who who have wronged you, right? It's big. This this is I mean this is a big like first and second amendment philosophy, right? They're like arm yourself, get lots of guns because you may need them one day, and say whatever the fuck you want to anybody that you want to. It's Dalton is. Got a shit-eating grin right now that you can't see, but he is so
0: pleased right you now. <laughs> uh, Dude, so, I'm telling you, I would have 100% been down there in San Fran, brother. <laughs> would have
1: been right there.
2: The, the appeal, especially to a younger person of the Church of Satan is big, and that I just said that sounding A, like an old, and B, like a cop. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> like... <laughs> But I don't mean it in a negative way. I mean that, like, if you're of that age where you're, like, you've figured out, like, oh, I think this is bullshit, and I think this is bullshit, and you've already kind of learned that, like, people can be shitty to other people, and it's not like this be-all, end-all, and that there's no, like, that you've seen karmic justice that comes to people who do horrible shit... Well, then it's real easy to be swayed by the idea that like, oh, if somebody does horrible shit to you, do horrible shit back to them. Right, right. You know, and uh, it's, you know, I'm impressed that this video used the real thing. I was expecting it to be some
0: some nonsense that was I, the real shit yeah it was the, yeah. Like, make sure you kill and eat your firstborn child <laughs> right right.
3: no I, I really yeah i really was actually kind of impressed now the stuff uh, the other stuff in this video who boy is a bunch of bullshit but right. this one they really lifted their i mean like i was reading the satanic bible i didn't read the whole thing I'm, i normally i read the whole book i couldn't but um i don't I was, blame you for not reading <laughs> the whole thing <laughs> just man i read some i listen i read two
2: books by kenneth copeland and this is
3: the one that i was like i, I can't do this anymore I'm
2: it's just- not it's not a well-written book if i had to, to describe the satanic bible the front half of it's great like not even half the front like 20 yes yeah, 30 strong. pages starts real strong right and then the deeper it gets as you get into the hocus pocus which was essential LeVay understood that like you couldn't just put ideas out there. Plenty of people have had ideas and didn't make a penny off of it. Um, He knew that if you put the hocus pocus like Christianity did to it, that you could then rope people into to really believing it and making it part of their belief system as opposed to it just being a thing they read that sounded like some good ideas. Yeah, for sure.
3: And it's he sold a lot of books. You know, in a time where selling books was profitable, he to to the near the the best figure I could get is that he's he is of the at, like at the time of his death in the nineties, he had sold over six hundred thousand copies of his book, which is pretty good. That's just of. The Satanic Bible. He has six books, Ooh. I believe he's written, yeah. but he've, he, none of them have ever been out of print, which is impressive. You know, like that's that's a cool that's constant money, especially when you live rent free in your parents' old house. Which in nineteen seventy one, I think I might have skipped this, or maybe I haven't gotten to it yet. But they gave him the house for a dollar. They sold him the house in like a, oh my God. yeah, transaction. So now he owns the house. He the the yeah, like he's so he like doesn't have a lot of overhead. And he's selling copies of this book, and it's a good thing. And you know, like it's it, think it's, about what that house would
2: be worth now. I know it's a bunch of condos now. <laughs> yeah. Down, it is no <laughs> um, Each Each one of those condos costs more than anything he got for that. Oh, yeah.
3: Well, and I mean, spoiler, we'll talk about this in a minute. He didn't own it at the end either. Yeah. <laughs> he got ta- oh, no. he got taken to the cleaners uh, by his ex partner. Um, but anyway, we'll we'll get there. Um so despite all the tension, the church and, and Stacey, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but it really feels like this church started running out of steam in the seventies. Like it it was a very short in, but intense period where it had a heyday.
2: Um I don't it know definitely we'll dipped in popularity during the seventies, especially like the probably mid to late seventies. Yeah, we're gonna talk about the mid seventies that for in just a second, because that there's a specific incident that really it's, does it. it's it's white hot for probably like four years. That's maybe yeah. five years. Yeah. Yeah. So in the sixties. It gets white hot again. In but the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. Big time.
3: Yeah, no, it's true. And I I don't know if it was like LeVay realized how much work it was to run a church. You know, I think it was a little of that. where he was just like, oh, you mean I have to do a bunch of work to keep this thing going? But in 1975, there was a massive rupture that pulled this organization apart. I'm going to read from a book called The Lure of the Sinister, The Unnatural History of Satanism. Um, And despite the title, this seems... Pretty reputable from the other sources I found. I was going to say, by, that title seems real spooky. It's a spooky title. So, <laughs> uh, it says, by the mid-70s, LaVey was finding it difficult to earn a living as a priest of Satan. He, therefore, stated that the, in the church newsletter that, in the future, all higher degrees of initiation would be available for contributions in cash, real estate, or valuable objects of art. It's Scientology! It is. Yep. Uh, so many of the priesthood were repelled by what they saw as hypocrisy, the very thing the church was founded to stand against. In June of 1975, LaVey's Church of Satan experienced a mass desertion. On the June 21st, Michael Aquino, the guy that was interviewing... His publicist earlier in the episode, he was a U.S. Army officer who had been in the church since April of 1969, did a ritual to summon the Prince of Darkness for advice. That's a real sentence. The result was a piece of automatic writing known as the Book of Coming Forth by Night, in which Satan informed Aquino that in the future he wished to be known by his true name of Set and that he was appointing Aquino as LeVay's successor. Quino therefore founded the Temple of Set, a nonprofit church in the state of California, of which he was the first high priest. To prevent the recurrence of dictatorial problems, the high priest is responsible to a corporate board of directors." so temple of set baby LeVay, yeah levey was like i'm gonna do a scientology real quick and a bunch of people in this church were like we're fucking out of here you lunatic you're not making any money but he was like apparently living on public assistance at this point like it was real bad yeah, bad times
2: yeah and what's interesting about temple of set is they went straight for that fucking uh tax-free living yep like And they were upfront about, like, we have a board of directors. This is a fucking business.
3: Yep. And they also were different that they were like, Satan is real. It's not a symbol. Like, Church of Satan, you know, like, Church of Satan was like, Satan represents this stuff.
0: Temple of Set was this lifestyle that they want to live.
3: It's real. Like, Satan is a real being, real figure. The literal Christian devil is real. Correct. Um, And so that
2: was never a a Levee thing. Like, so Church of Satan basically what Church of Satan boils down to is Anton LaVey had some thoughts that he had picked up from like Nietzsche. Yep. um, Shit that he had picked up from Ayn Rand of all fucking horrible people. (laughs) Um, Bad. Yeah. But it makes sense because there is some shit. Like I think LaVey was specifically never political um, because he understood that that would hurt his grift. But he fucking absolutely would be a conservative. Oh yeah. Right. Like he wouldn't have, he would have never as weirdly as a lot of this shit seems real liberal. The shit that he really cared about would have ended up making him a conservative in today's climate for sure. Yeah. Um, the iron Rand piece specifically, but the other piece is what he lifted from the might is Right. The Ragnar uh, Redbeard shit. Yeah, which is very
6: problematic.
2: Not the stuff yeah. he lifted, but that might as right as a whole. Right, because well, there's that whole white power piece that's there. And there's there's like some white power adjacent shit with Church of Satan that when I figured that part out was a piece that steered me the route I ended up going that I didn't know previously. Because if you didn't like dig and do research, it's not there to be seen on the surface well below the surface to be honest yeah and um, and,
3: and there's some FBI documents that got released by via FOIA and they talk about how he was on some sort of list for the American Nazi party um, they didn't say that he was explicitly like involved with them, but that he was like sort of a known person who had expressed interest in the organization. And it wasn't the American Nazi Party at the time; it was called something different. But it evolved into the American Nazi Party. So there's there's a little bit of that stuff that's kind of around the edges. And I I didn't you know write a ton well, about that because I
0: don't know how important it is. But Uh, didn't the Nazis have like a big fascination with the occult? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So could that have like attracted him to that? Mm, Possibly.
2: Maybe. Maybe. But So like his occult shit, LeVay's occult shit really comes down to like, so if you look in the satanic Bible, it's literally just Enochian stuff and the Necronomicon is literally all it is to the point where when I was a kid, the same company printed the satanic bible and the necronomicon and they were absolutely sat beside each other on the shelf in new age uh like both books looked the same just one was red and black and the other one was purple and black um so all of that shit played into like him putting the hocus pocus piece to it along with what he had picked up from being a carny and knowing that like with the any like you could walk into a tent right And if it's just Dalton sitting in the tent and he's like, man, I got a gift. I can read the future. And then you pay him the money and then he tells you some shit. Or if you go in and it's like a person who's kind of pretending to be like a gypsy and they've got a crystal ball and everything looks a certain way, then when they tell you that that thing that could be the exact same thing Dalton told him. Uh, they're going to believe it. They're going to buy into it more because of the Hocus Pocus. Yeah, And that's the right. and shit. that you dress up. it up. So, yeah.
3: Yeah. No, absolutely. Aquino took a lot of people with him. And um, I actually found a quote about Aquino from Anton. And he said, uh, he's obviously playing it down. He said, it wasn't a schism. It was a drop in the bucket. Aquino took 28 people with him and started spreading the rumor that the Church of Satan was defunct and he had gotten divine word from the man downstairs to take over. So, Ken, you play it down. A bunch of people leave. You're like, no big deal. We have 10,000 members, which is at one point he did claim to have,
0: I think maybe even more than that. Um, But 10,000. 93,000 Hulkamaniacs in a Silver Dome, brother. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he slammed Jesus the right Giant
3: that. in the middle of the ring.
2: Right. <laughs> right.
1: So he the other... Over.
2: The other thing that I know that he regularly would point out about this, and he wasn't wrong in this part, was that there was a disagreement on what the church was. And those people went to do their thing, and it was thinning the herd of people who didn't agree with the philosophy of church of satan he would he would make it a point that it was like him being very happy that those people were no longer part of it right because they were theistic and that yeah, he was had not. nothing to do with anything he was like how they pulled a theistic belief out of what was there is those people came in with a preconceived thing yeah but, absolutely it was just easy to do when you call it the church of
3: satan right like Right, you know, you're talking about like the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, right? It's about Jesus Christ, but also if you're looking at Christianity as the model, like Christianity is full of fucking splinters. I mean, like, well,
2: but the everything. one you, the one that you just pointed out, if Not you hear the Church lot. of Jesus yeah. Christ of Latter Day Saints, you don't think the fucking Mormons, you don't think the fucking he read rocks out of a hat, grift shit. <laughs> you think the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Like that is specifically marketed because the Mormons knew if they put out TV commercials that was like Mormons, we like wives, um nobody would have <laughs> fucking listened or gave money. Yeah, no it's
3: true. It it's it's marketing. It's brilliant. But also like no one should be surprised that a religious a religious movement of any type suddenly splits off into something else. No. It happens all the time. Uh all right. So 70s rest of 70s he's laying low but this is the last kind of like little story i'm gonna tell before we wrap everything up in 1980 jimmy carter running for office stacy do you know this story i don't all right
2: georgia's or maybe i do and i just haven't pieced it together yet yeah so
3: jimmy carter's running for re-election and he is he has a challenge from his own party Mr. Teddy Kennedy, the baby brother of the Kennedy dynasty, and so um, he—not a good driver, that guy. <laughs> your boy, you beat <laughs> me to it. <laughs> um, so he had presidential ambitions f- forever, right? He was like, "I'm destined because my 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 oldest brother was the president. My next oldest brother ran for
2: president." Uh, but I'm not trying. I'm not trying to prolong this, but. Yeah. I want you to think about that. If, if you're Teddy Kennedy, right, <laughs> and you saw what happened to both of your brothers who tried to be president, like, dude, the last thing I would ever fucking do is run for president. You are so
3: much more accurate than you even know, like so much more prescient than you even know to, for this story. Um, so in 1969, this woman who was worked for Teddy Kennedy named uh, Mary Joe uh, Kopechny. I I did look that up because there was no fucking way I was getting that <laughs> pronunciation right, <laughs> um, was killed on Martha's Vineyard when Teddy Kennedy was taking her home and crashed off of a bridge into water. He escaped and fled the scene after he says that he dived down to find her a couple of times. Boy, there's a lot going on in that story. He never (laughs) served any time, but it was a really big issue. So that was 1969. He didn't run for office for president the next two cycles. But in 1980, he felt comfortable doing it. And it was a weird time because you have Jimmy Carter, who's the president. So you're challenging an incumbent from his own party. And it. You know, Carter's approval numbers were in the fucking toilet. Like he was like, "This is a guy. If I can beat anybody, I can do it." But Carter, which I think is amazing, considering like Carter's image today, he actually said publicly, and this is a quote: "If Kennedy runs, I'll whip his ass." <laughs> 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 He's
2: amazing, but that's pretty amazing. Kennedy
3: did run against Carter in the in the. Um, in the primaries and his campaign was a fucking disaster and it turns out like teddy is not the guy that his brothers were in terms of campaigning he did a really poor job the uh killing of uh was brought up over and over again and despite you know the uh, carter's low approval numbers carter won the nomination of the democratic party you can say unfortunately
2: he lost later oh
3: he got it well so if, if if carter runs i'll whip his ass it should have been what ronald reagan said because he fucking cleaned the floor with carter i mean it was one of the 10 biggest landslide presidential elections in history like he just fucking annihilated and you gotta wonder if like kennedy had actually been the nominee if he'd have done any better i'm not sure that he would have but i think he i think he would have done better i don't know if he would have won because i
2: Raynaud, i think There was just this whole weird thing. This is a whole different thing than what we're talking about. But, like, during that election, there's this whole weird thing where, like, because shit had been so terrible during Carter's administration from things that really had shit all to do with him it had to do with shit Nixon and Ford, if Ford did anything, did previously that caused it. Um, just kind of like how Trump got to sail on like the good of the end of Obama's shit. Yeah. And now Biden is suffering in Trump's shit. Uh, it's always that way. Yeah. Um, I don't know that anybody was beating Reagan. There was just like a weird movement in the country at that time.
3: Yeah. The only reason they wanted Kennedy would have done better, but maybe not beat him is because he was somebody different because he could have done the same thing Reagan did and said, Hey, this guy fucked everything up. I'm somebody different, even though I'm from the same party. But I don't know.
1: Yeah,
2: we'll
3: see. different different podcast for a different yeah, day, different, different but, subject. But it, anyway, in October of 1980, after Carter had you know like assumed the the nomination, um, the. Kennedy was out there on the road for Carter, right? Like he's like, okay, you beat me. Now I need to go stump for you because that's what you do. We're in the same party. This is, this is the
0: thing that we, we, we do. But how do you do that? Because like whenever you're campaigning for that, uh, primary, you're like, oh man, this dude ain't shit. Look at this. Look at what he did during his presidency. And then you turn around and you lose the primary. Then you're like, no, actually he's pretty good. I made all that shit up. More like he's better than his opponent. Bernie stump for Biden. You know, yeah. that Bernie, yeah, but Bernie didn't also didn't go out like saying like, oh, Biden sucks. You
3: know what I mean? They don't mm. they don't do that that explicitly because they know that eventually if they do lose that, like the party loyalty is more important than anything else. And I think that's also politics in 1980 were very different than they are today. Like today, the vitriol is so
0: much higher and there's so much nastiness said that they do just I've got a flyer in the mail calling Stacy Abrams an alien, yep. so you know, will never know. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, I
2: wonder I wonder why they would be vilifying Stacey Abrams weird. in Georgia. Yeah, we oh yeah, I wonder put why my finger
1: on it. <laughs> hmm.
3: Um, But in 1980, in October of 1980, specifically, the FBI and the Secret Service got a tip from an informant, an FBI informant, that there was going to be an attempt on Kennedy's life, Ted Kennedy. Now, this is a guy who Stacey talked about, whose two brothers were assassinated. So there is a respectable and appropriate level of paranoia with this guy that is well-founded. Right? Like you have two brothers who ran for president. One won, one got killed before he won, but the one who won was also killed in office. Like these motherfuckers are getting shot left and right. (laughs) And it's, I mean, it's a big family, but there's a lot of them that are dead. Um, So this call was very specific and it claimed that Anton LaVey, the high priest of the Church of Satan, was going to kill Teddy
2: Kennedy. That seems like shit Anton would be too lazy to do.
1: Yeah. So
3: (laughs) this is a a piece. This is from a piece in Politico by David Gambacorda. And he actually filed a FOIA request and the FBI files are online and it's pretty fascinating, but I think he does a better job of summing it up because he's a professional writer than I would. So I'm just going to read his stuff. Um, So the Chicago informant, whose identity is still being kept secret by the FBI, which I think is fascinating, told agents that he had had dinner once before with LeVay, who explained to him the Church of Satan's beliefs. When they supposedly reconnected by phone in 1980, LeVay told the man that he owed the high priest a favor. His allegations, uh, he no, I'm sorry, his alleged instructions were simple. In a week or so, the informant would receive a package, and he must ferry it to a mob boss on the south side of Chicago. The mob would, in turn, take out Kennedy. After the phone call, the informant was visited by a member of the Church of Satan, who's purpose was specifically to discuss the satanic cult and plot against Senator Kennedy, according to FBI record. So let me just really quick, Chicago mob and the Kennedys are like peas and carrots. There's a lot of rumor that the reason that JFK won the election was because his father was very well connected with the Chicago mob. So this guy, this informant, whoever he is, and we don't know to this day who this was because it's blacked out on all the FOIA requests. This is not a stretch that like he's like Chicago mobsters are going to kill JFK because Chicago mobsters got JFK nominated and elected. So there's that piece goes on. There was more because there always is more. The informant told the FBI that LeVay was going to fly to Chicago on October 27th, carrying with him eight kilograms of hashish and an unknown amount of cash. Was this another piece in the puzzle to the assassination plot? Taking no chances, the FBI, Secret Service, and DEA sent agents to O'Hare International Airport to intercept flights from San Francisco and apprehend LeVay like something out of Steven Spielberg's Catch Me If You Can. But there was no sign of him at the airport. An attempt at monitoring a phone call to LeVay also failed. So they were trying to find him. He did not show up in Chicago. So he was then, in San Francisco. He's in San Francisco. He leave. <laughs> He never leaves. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So the investigators actually went to the black house and were told by whoever answered the door, probably Diane, uh, that LeVay was traveling and wouldn't be back for a few days. And so they followed up that visit with another one. And this time LeVay actually answered the door himself. Um, This shouldn't be a surprise, but LeVay had zero knowledge of the plot. And he actually held ten- Ted Kennedy in some high regard, saying that he sympathized with someone who was prone to threats of violence and death like himself. And he was like, it's a goddamn shame. Like, this is a guy who's always getting his life threatened like me. <laughs> you know, so yeah. that was it. Um, Again, from that piece, he said, and then LeVay shared some surprising news with the agents. And this is like the bow I'm tying on all of this. His role as the uh, the head of the Churches of Satan was all a charade. Most of the church's followers, he said, were fanatics, cultists, and weirdos the record show his interest in the church of Satan is strictly from a monetary point of view. The agents noted and spends most of his time furnishing interviews, writing materials, and lately has become interested again in photography. Yup. So this is all a part of the FBI record. So, I mean, this is like FBI agents interviewing him and I'm going, it's a fucking grift. This is what I do.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right.
2: And they don't care about that because they're not no. trying to get anything on him. Like, no. oh, you are ripping people off, whatever. Fuck,
3: and there. I mean, he comes up again. This is, is it illegal? Th- no. Okay. No, and it's <laughs> not. I mean, there is nothing illegal that he did. That's the thing. It's, right? He's not. He's not raising money under false pretenses. He's doing exactly what he says he is. And he's got some like. There is a lot of window dressing on it, but it's not any.
2: It's nothing that he that it's not. You know, I mean, the grift. I think the griftiest thing about Church of Satan which continues through to this day is the, I mean, so there's definitely a grift with the books, right? And like whatever he made with the books, because it's all just b-
3: bullshit, right? It's fantasy, right? Yeah.
2: As, as, essentially, he wrote some fucking very interesting fiction books that people bought into in the same way L. Ron Hubbard wrote some very interesting fiction. Well, actually barely interesting fiction book that people bought into um, science fiction, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and so like, but the other piece where there's a grift is, and I, I'm i assuming church Satan is still this way. And I don't know if it was this way in the 60s. But I can tell you that for sure in the 90s, I had to pay money to become a member of the church of Satan. Do you remember there's how much? Applic- when I did it, it was $99. Okay. So it's currently $200. I was
0: so- about to say, yeah, 200 yeah. I looked in when I was like in my edgy little emo phase. Yep. <laughs> and there's an and there's a an, and there's an application
2: and you have to get approved. And you could send them that money and they'll not send you shit. But if they do send you shit, literally all you get is your red card. Mm-hmm. You get which I don't even know where mine is at this point, but you get your red card so you carry it around and be like, I'm fuck a fucking member of the Church of Satan. And uh you got some paperwork that came with it and i think by the 90s it was like an email newsletter i don't even know that i was getting like a a real fucking like hard copy i think i got maybe a couple real pieces of mail from church of satan but i not much uh but so they made that money off of anybody who wanted to become and in turn you didn't get shit like no. you literally gave them that money for that red card the clout that you were a fucking member. There weren't churches. There weren't benefits. You didn't get like, you could network with other people who were members and you might get yourself into situations where like, Oh, there's this and there's this, but like Satanism was in like very small groups. That's, it wasn't like a, an organized there. There wasn't like a place that you got to go to because you paid that money. Um, So that's a grift. And his grandson the son of the daughter that he had with Diane, uh, Stanton LeVay. Um, he has a whole... What is his fucking thing called? Hold on. He has his own fucking offshoot because he was like...
3: in the- Well, none of the LaVey's stuck around. They all bailed and they all kind of went off and did their
2: own thing. Right. In the early 2000s, that dude got like weirdly like he was like a celebrity in like metal circles, like in the time of MySpace. Like, that's how I ended up originally interacting with that dude was he liked some shit that my band had put out um, on <laughs> MySpace, cool. And so um, but that dude's also the reason one of the reasons I left Church of Satan, because I was like, I don't need to. This is silly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> his his shit now is Ordo Satanis. Yeah. Uh baphometx.com <laughs> Um but but he is charging the classic price of nine, and this is exactly what I paid in the nineties, nine dollars and ninety cents. Because if you turn it upside down. It's six six six.
1: Yeah, nine ninety nine, um, so, baby. Yeah.
2: So he's got that thing. He's basically continuing the grift that Anton did, and just riding off the coattails, For being able stakes. to be like, yeah. And I would like to point out that, like, so there was a a child born that was like when the mom was sixteen. That dude's mom, as LaVey's daughter got pregnant at like 14 with him. Yeah. So there's there's a a fucking um a trend. Yeah, it's a lot it's <laughs> a lot that. of
3: grossness. It and and like I mean to kind of like just really actually put a bow on this, I mean like the FBI gained interest in LeVay again in the 80s, late 80s, for the satanic panic, which was a bunch of bullshit and we're gonna talk about that on the next episode. Um but in eighty six I think eighty six was the year that like everything changed again because his partner for twenty-six years, Diane, left him, right? And sued his ass for palimony because they were never married. And she actually won the for, black house. Wait,
0: palimony? Can yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yep. With a P. That's for people oh, that's who are not thing?
3: That's yeah, people who are not married that spend a significant amount of time in their lives together. It's for palimony instead of matrimony. Some states
2: recognize it. Others don't. Yeah. They were Um, in California times. Yeah. You were going to get fucked on palimony, for sure. And he did. He
3: lost the house, the house that had been given to him by his parents or sold to him and Diane for a dollar went to her. Uh, However, she let him live in the house for the rest of his life. She said, I own this house, but you can stay here, which I think is actually very, uh, an act of kindness, probably towards someone who was not doing well. It kind of makes me feel like he wasn't in the best state. Um, then he um, met well. So he lived there until Halloween of 1997. Also a lie. He died on October 29th.
2: But <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> Close enough to Halloween. Um, his
1: partner Look, at man, the time,
2: which if you- the whole if, if the whole rest of your whole life story is a little fabricated. You're going to fudge that in. Yeah, you
1: are yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: the people Hell that yeah. are left. Behind.
3: Yeah. Um, but you talked about her at the beginning, Blanche Barton, um, who was his last partner, who he, I don't know who, when he, they got together, but she ended up writing a book called the secret life of a Satanist, which a lot of people think that LaVey helped co-write. And there's zero reason to think that that's not true. Um, right. But I want to end with a quote that from that book where he said, and I I think that this wraps things up. And, you know, Stacey, obviously, if you have stuff to talk about, feel free. But he said in that book, I don't want to give anyone the satisfaction that they have me all figured out if people only knew. I've always loved that ubiquitous Johnson Smith company ad copy. Imagine the expression on their faces. That's kind of the leitmotif that has tempted me into most of the heinous, evil, or disreputable things I've ever done. Just imagine people's reaction if they ever found out. But they won't. It began in mystery, and I want it to end that way.
0: Spooky. It's a guy. Spooky
3: man. But it's a guy who knows he's a, a grifter yeah and and saying hey i fooled you all for this long and now that i'm dead you're never gonna figure it out one
0: of my favorite man live by the sword die by the sword you gotta respect it and i think we've talked about that
2: a bunch one of my favorite things about lave is he was very fucking aware that in the 80s you know shit like king diamond uh, shit like Slayer, like anything that was putting Satan in the forefront, yeah, was driving business his way. Um, the shit with like uh Euronymous and shit in in Europe, uh, with Mayhem drove more business his way. Um, you know that whole scene, that black metal scene, would talk about like Levé Satanism and true Satanism and you know shit like that. Um, Marilyn Manson in the 90s gave him another boost yep. um, and he hated all of it he fucking hated rock music he hated metal music yeah he Did thought he it, was, it was like poser shit he fucking thought it was horror it wasn't even poser shit he was a fucking old man mm-hmm. that liked to play calliope music <laughs> yeah. and hung out with <laughs> and hung out with fucking sammy davis jr he didn't like rock music no he also but he
3: also took advantage of it like he was on he was on Geraldo. he went on oh, donahue yeah. like he he knew what his his he might not have liked it but he was like oh if there's yeah, a chance he, to make up and you don't make much on those media appearances like, no. like he's he's going out there for a couple hundred bucks and being like i'm gonna be on national tv because maybe yeah, that'll he's get gonna more people. he's
2: gonna sit on stage with gg allen and luther campbell from the two live crew yep and they're gonna <laughs> run down the list of why they're all bad people and they're all gonna try to defend themselves and it yeah. was like a circuit yep. those dudes all did all those shows Geraldo, sally fucking donahue
0: yep all I gotta sh- seek out a Gigi Allen interview where he tries to like <laughs> persuade somebody he's a good person. There's a good, like, the oh, Gigi didn't try to persuade anybody
2: he was a good person, <laughs> he was trying to tell them that it wasn't his fault that their kids saw him and wanted to be like him, right? Like, what G- Gigi G. talked about himself like he was fucking Justin Bieber like he, like, we
3: this is not the first time we've talked about GGL on this podcast you see
0: when I take the shit and I throw it at them <laughs> they fucking
2: love it dude <laughs> and, but but yeah so like he the they even worked the grift of like all of those metal bands there were tons of dudes especially Marilyn Manson fucking worshipped Anton Levay, right like regularly talked about, like, how much he fucking loved LaVey. LaVey didn't give a fuck. Nope. LaVey was like, well, I will appease these fucking morons because I know it's going to drive more money my way. He would never, like, out publicly be like, oh, metals and rock music is fucking terrible. But, like... Plenty of people said privately, like, "Yeah, he fucking hated it. He wanted to." (laughs) Blanche Barton outed him about it. He fucking hated metal and and rock music, and I I believe it. He fucking played a Calliope.
3: Oh, he did. And the the music he played was—he was always referencing like really old music. I I, so I'm going to tell you this, um, Dalton. I think this might blow your mind. So there is a documentary about Gigi Allen, and it was made as a uh, student project by a guy named Todd Phillips who went on to direct The Joker movie that came out a No years way. Ago. Yeah, I think that's okay. very fitting. He also did The Hangover. Yep, and Road Trip and he did
2: a few movies, but That dude made hated?
3: Yeah. Yep. Yep. Huh. That was his it was a it was a it was a school project while he was going He was either Gigi's at, dick looks like that. <laughs> oh yeah. Just that's that's like, little, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, he hated. It, was, a it was just
3: it was a student project he was either at uh new york film academy or nyu one of those two but that was his that was his student film that is That's still amazing. floating around and i had no idea the guy ended up directing the joker <laughs> which i think is full circle
2: yeah I, I, he really has capped the career off at that point right. um <laughs> the, the other thing with Levey, i think that amazes me is So there's the is that movie called Mark of the Devil that came out in the 90s, something the documentary, the documentary um, that has like uh, footage from the black mass in it and things like that. But then it's got all those like interview pieces placed in like LeVay also like was a weird fucking dude, like outside of like being a grifter, whenever he would let his guard down a little bit and let people see like who he was who he was was a weird motherfucker like it burned into my brain is him sitting in that like basement bar in the black house uh with his androids that he had created yeah excuse me that are all just these are just mannequins they're just Dalton it's just a room full of mannequins it's <laughs> That's just so fucking weird it's man. just mannequins <laughs> wearing different stuff posed different ways hanging out in this bar in his basement That's-
0: terrifying but,
2: but he referred to them as androids <laughs> it's weird.
3: he also oh, they god. asked him, a reporter at one point asked him if he'd ever had tried to have sex with one of them and he said yes I tried it did not end well I will never do that
2: again and I was like
3: mm. oh god dude
2: imagine if Anton had just lived a little longer he could have had one of them real dolls that oh, was like yeah, the Anton LaVey dream was so a he's real just
0: doll he was by the bottom half
2: Yeah. Well, they had just the bottom half when he was around. Like, I remember when I went to recording school, (laughs) I went I went to recording school in 1998 and we had roommates like there was like there was a house next to the recording school and there were like eight bedrooms in it. And like most of them, like if you didn't pay a lot of money, you lived in a split bedroom. One dude in our house had his own bedroom. I was not so fortunate. Right. So. Our wall, the wall where my headboard was, butted up against the wall of these two other dudes' room, right? And one of those dudes went to the fucking... Uh, the porno store off the freeway that was right down the way, and he bought just the the lower part of Jenna Jameson. It was
4: molded. <laughs>
2: oh, God, it was it was molded, uh, just like her ass and her pussy. And you were supposed to like <laughs> you would like either I guess just like lay it on the bed and fuck it, or it had a wall right. mount option. And, oh, and- wall
0: mount. Dude, this is game changing. And these two
2: motherfuckers claimed holes, right? Because they decided it would be weird no. if they both no. Stopped. They said <laughs> <laughs> they claimed holes. I
3: don't like. I don't like. You don't like.
2: And so, because they thought it would be weird if they both used the pussy. That's for the so, weird part.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the fucking weird part, you fucking brain drain geniuses. That shit is separated by, like, a thin member. <laughs> hey,
2: man, it was good enough for them, right? So one claimed, one claimed the back door, one claimed the front, right? But, like, right. these motherfuckers would fuck that thing all the time. And I would be laying in bed trying to get the little... I would, like because i would work extra i knew we were only there It was like a real condensed course right so like right you're there for like six weeks but you learn like two years worth don't, of shit in don't. six weeks and so i would be laying there trying to get one of the like four fucking hours of sleep i was gonna get <laughs> while i was just... there and it would just be the fucking wall shaking while they fucked that lower part of jenna jameson
0: uh, were, were they in the room together while they were fucking man
2: i don't know um maybe the other one was in there one with i don't know what that arrangement piece was i just know that after like two, i didn't know that sh- i knew they had went to the porno store but i didn't know that that <laughs> shit had gone down and I was fucking the first night it happened, I was laying in bed and there's just this like fucking pounding on the wall. And I'm like, did are those two fucking like what happened? What's You're going like, on? Oh yeah. Like, all right, brother. It's yeah, like, story. <laughs> It's a better story. Than yeah, to, like, absolutely. It's a hundred percent better story. Lie. I was like, man. I was like, are those two fucking? Hmm. So I'm downstairs making breakfast the next day, and I was like, man, did... because there are people that lived across the hall, right? Like, there's a bedroom across from us, and I was like, did you guys hear that fucking banging last night? And they were like, no, and I was like, dude, I could fucking hear it. I think those two were fucking and the one dude came downstairs and i was like man sound like you had a good time last night and he was like oh dude and then told me about the thing they bought and that they had hung it on the wall and i was like i was like motherfucker it is and i went and looked around the corner and it was literally like right it was mounted like right on the other side of the wall as my fucking headboard that's (laughs) incredible i love that
1: So yeah, Anton oh, lived in
2: a time where he could have just had the lower <laughs> half, but I think he would have really the whole real doll was more his, more
3: Anton
0: speed. Oh man, that's amazing. I think that's the way to end this. I think that's it. Yeah, dude. I think you that's like a popping podcast, that, Austin. I think you broke Austin. That was the story. <laughs> that was the story for a lot of reasons. <laughs> You can check out our friends at Pod Van Dam, IW <laughs> Guy, Super SuperFantastic. X over, hit my music pod. You can find me on Twitter at Griffoidog. You can find Austin on Twitter at GriffDaddy. You can find Charlie on Twitter at Charlie underscore butters. You can find Stacy on Twitter at. Uh, at Stacy
2: Silvers or at SuperFantastic.
6: Hey, beautiful. The devil.